Yeah. Uh, we're going with uh, round two here. We're okay. up and running, boys. Oh, okay, we're feeling good. And, uh, and I'm not going to touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We're, we're we're powering through this uh, this quarantine. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, we need to record a new episode. We the people need to have a new episode of Never Seen Any Through of This. Sheer tyranny of will. We are collected here. <laughs> yes, in all the, from in the ether. Our yeah. respective uh, self isolating. Um, yeah. We can see each other, but we're not near yeah, each other. So we're we're responsible and correct. Informed. I ain't got no pants on. I got so my bong in my hand. I'm feeling good. <laughs> and he's in his bunker. Oh my god! In my bunker. TJ's in his yes. bunker. <laughs> oh, it is. And, it is getting real downfally uh, in here. I'm oh no chance. <laughs> I'm just screeching constantly. <laughs> the lighthouse. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, there's a good chance this will be <laughs> our best sounding one if if it records correctly. Right, if we yeah, can get it to work. Yeah. Mics. yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. I drank a bunch of turpentine before yeah. we started, so I, we'll 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 see. Beat that on the chest. Yeah. Oh well, you know, it went went in it went in basement. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. So uh, well, let let's see if the wheel is gonna be capricious and, and kill Andy again. Going right to the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so. We're 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 gonna do another uh, wrap yeah. up episode because it's been a long time since we've recorded mm-hmm. at all, and uh, we've all been uh, locked in our houses. Mostly, so. yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Yep. Actually, I think almost everything I'm going to talk about was things that I saw in theaters before the world. Yeah, fell I've got apart. a couple that I got so. two out, few in. <laughs> <laughs> all of mine from, are from at home. Before or after it should hit the fan. Uh, both two, two out three two in. out three in that's what i like to say raymond and i are gonna have to purge some ugly feelings oh after yeah watching what we watch oh yeah it's oh, a I nightmare can't wait, can't wait for oh that no oh boy all right well let's, uh, uh without further ado let's spin, spin that the wheel. wheel and i'm uh definitely clicking it and it's definitely spinning and then it landed on brahms boy too oh brahms the boy too yes <laughs> the boy brahms the boy too my sweet baby yeah. boy brahms oh boy uh so uh, raymond tj you guys were saying that you were not familiar with the no, first well, not movie you, the boy. you reminded me while we were having issues that i had known what the movie <laughs> was their first movie was a haunted toy boy doll that comes I think to it life helped. It came out when we were still working on it electronics, so we like kind of knew because it came out, and we were like, "Hey, this movie!" <laughs> so yeah, I remember putting it on the shelf. It definitely came out yeah. like two years. I ago. I remember the seeing boy? the trailer, and I thought it looked are stupid. You, yeah. Are you thinking of Annabelle? No, maybe I'm. I mean, no. I, I don't know what it came. Out. I thought for sure we put it on the shelf. I goddamn sure. people! I don't know. Uh. I'm pretty sure we put it on the shelf, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, if it came out later, that's the fine. boy came out. In 2016, yeah. four years ago, we were still working. <laughs> I was not I working was. there in 2016, <laughs> so okay. I put it on the shelf. So you done it, yeah? No. All right, okay. you put it on the shelf. You're welcome, this. Walmart. In any case, uh, the boy is a bad ripoff of Annabelle, basically Boynabelle. <laughs> it's a haunted Boy-a-bell. doll, <laughs> and the first one was nothing spectacular. It was actually pretty mm-hmm. bad and boring. I like the um, twist though. Until. Yes, until the end, and then it has a twist that is so insane, and it turns out that this haunted doll the entire movie was not in fact haunted, 
but was really being uh, manipulated by a real man who lived what? in the walls well, of the house. I don't like that. So it was it was the son that they a were saying that the doll was. Oh, it was that okay. son, but he was still yes. alive. Oh, so, yikes. Yeah, so it's like this rich couple, and they hire this lady to take care of their doll, but she has to treat it like it's a real boy. <laughs> and it's a real you boy. find out it is a real uh. boy. He's just living in the walls, and the parents are trying to hide him because he killed another child when he was little because he's a psychopath. Well, that'll happen. And <laughs> yeah, so uh, as you do, <laughs> that twist alone is mm-hmm. insane. And uh, I don't think the movie did particularly well. It didn't get great reviews, but it did good enough for Katie Holmes to sign oh, on wow. for a sequel. God bless her. And based uh, on the trailer, I thought you know, for sure that this was a prequel. And Andy informed me that it is nah. not, in fact, a prequel. <laughs> it's no, such a it confusing not. title, especially because the boy is so generic to begin with. I keep saying Brahms yeah. the boy too. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and Brahms is nowhere in the title in the first one, so it no. is weird that they decided you have to, to call it Brahms. It's now. really like dependent it should be the on you boy having too, seen the yeah. first one. Brahms or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, in. <laughs> I have the AMC A-list. Oh, you so have the AMC is, A-list? It costs me... I do, actually. How's that working out right now? Uh, yeah. So, Did you try and cancel? Really, are, you, are you exploiting that really a lot right now? No, they they paused the, um, oh, the good payment. For them. So I still have my account. Uh, I just won't get... I won't get charged until... I know they were having that. issues where people were, like, in mass trying to cancel, and they weren't letting anyone unless you called in specifically. Yeah. And then it was, like, a queue of, like... It said six months to try and cancel. Everyone's like, uh. <laughs> that's normally you have to give like right. a three month notice or something that's like insane. that, I believe. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to cancel. I'm trying to get out of fucking Scientology. They, uh... What is this? <laughs> but as soon as the shut, uh, as soon as AMC shut down, they emailed me and said, hey, we're not going to charge you. And if you had been charged, I believe they gave nice. you a refund. So, um, but anyway, going to see the deliberately bad horror movies is uh, a pastime that I love. So, I saw the trailer for the uh, Brahms, mm-hmm. The Boy 2, thought it looked terrible, went to go see it, and uh, it, it was pretty boring. Aww. However, it did have an equally stupid <laughs> twist. Oh, good. Love it. Do tell. And I'm... Yeah, I will tell. <laughs> so the first movie is all that you think that the doll's mm-hmm. haunted. And uh, then it turns out at the end <laughs> that it's not. That it's just being manipulated by a crazy person in the walls. The boy, too, says, what if opposite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They throw it all out the window. What if we throw, <laughs> what if we throw all of that out the window? So is it Chucky now? And say... No, it's worse. No. So it is saying that, yes, the doll still, like, can't move mm-hmm. on its own, but it, it has the ability to possess people oh. into doing its sure. bidding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And, um, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. There's a crazy old man that lives next door that's played by the guy who's the dad in uh, The Witch. Oh, the oh bitch. cool. Nice. And they're like, oh, that's that crazy old man. He doesn't like the doll. He keeps, like, yelling out warnings about the doll. Well, it turns out at the end that he's being possessed by the doll. And he's trying to set Brahms free. Huh. <laughs> by reverse ca- psychology? Yeah, I huh. guess. 
So he's like trying to like the Here's crazy me. old gas station clerk <laughs> approach to getting getting yeah. the doll free. That's not a way. That's a way to deter people. That's a push away uh-huh. move. That's not a that's not yeah. a coerce motivate move. He should he should really have taken Here's, a communications course <laughs> when he was in community. College. Here's my single favorite thing about Brahms the Please. boy too is uh the climactic scene uh the the child actor the young boy that is being uh courted by Brahms is don't like that not what is this fucking a very Oscar in- Wilde <laughs> <laughs> it is not uh, he's not interesting he's actually a pretty boring child actor and at the end uh him and his family are trying to throw Brahms into a furnace to get rid of him and the boy's father hits Brahms upside the head with a uh, with die. a shovel, br- breaking Brahms' porcelain head, revealing underneath that a demonic imp has been inside the doll the entire Ooh, time. I wanted it to be a monkey. <laughs> it kind of looked like okay. that. It was terrible. <laughs> so it was alive, though? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, yes. Pretty much. Did it move? Okay, yes. so he moves oh. his head. He can't like he can't like walk around on two legs. How did the movie that was bad to begin with get a sequel <laughs> that went to theaters? <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know. know. That screams of a movie that goes but, straight uh, to streaming. Fuck me. Yeah. Okay, we're kind of uh, out of the VHS age of of that kind of. Uh, well, yeah. Now they just more. go straight to like Netflix, and Netflix just like here's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I felt at the end like that was that was fun because it was uh-huh. so bad. But that ultimately ends up being about ten minutes of the movie, and the rest of it is just oh, pretty yeah. boring. Plain. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of setups that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like it very heavily. So like Katie Holmes has trauma in the movie because at the beginning, while her husband is away, somebody breaks into the house and like holds mm-hmm. her hostage. Like people robbers break in and it very heavily implies that the dad is up to no good and has something to do with it and then by like the 40 minute mark completely gets rid of that oh, storyline and we never <laughs> visit it again yeah what it does is it, it leaves you to solve the mystery like yeah. what if he's like a sub character in like john wick 4 the writers like, we, don't know like, so yeah. you need to figure it out yeah it it even introduces like um they have some family members come visit and they have like the the asshole cousin that's being mean to the boy and being like you play with dolls and then like Brahms gets <laughs> and angry pickles and <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes basically and uh, Brahms is upset with this and sets up like a, a bocce stick gets broken in the ground and the boy trips and falls Whoa. on it so it like goes impales the yeah. child and then yeah, so you see a child get impaled, and then later they're like, "Ah, it just went through his shoulder. He'll be okay." And I was like, "They didn't Whoa, even, they, they didn't yeah, go they kinda, through they, with yeah, Brahms kinda like yada yada yada." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, 
uh, I would say it was fun for about 10 minutes, and afterwards I felt uh, deep sadness for having sat through that Holy entire shit. thing. So shame. I cannot recommend The Boy to I, have no. you guys, I think. So, like, side note for recording here on this on this Google Beat thing, did you guys try turning on closed captions? Because these no. things are fucking Oh, cool. no. <laughs> I'm no, not they're actually, do it. like, oh, we're doing, they're we're really gonna accurate. So, like, every, it'll, it'll, like, Raymond saying, fuck yeah, to the kid getting impaled was, like, <laughs> on there for a while. So I was really tickled because <laughs> good it nice. censors it too oh does it <laughs> yeah. oh that's good it sure does. <laughs> that's quality this is amazing this is beautiful please censor us <laughs> <laughs> all right well there's my there's my piece on the boy oh, too, too so great you can hit the wheel i'll and make sure on. to not watch it you paid yeah. the trolls yeah, toll all right here we go it's spinning Oh. Hurts to look at. Uh, I'm gonna puke. Oh, I'm gonna puke. <laughs> oh, it looks uh, like a double oh. Andy round. No, another oh. Andy. It's a double Andy. It's just round. funny because that's what it spun the first okay. time after we spun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it broke. It wants you to talk <laughs> See, about everything it. is going <laughs> according to plan. <laughs> Maybe it's rigged. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe. It's the invisible. A- man. Andy purged some voter records right before we spun the wheel. <laughs> 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 yeah. I <laughs> I rat fucked this Google meeting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the second the second movie to talk about is also mine. <laughs> is this a horror movie? Uh, because I, yes, this is. Yeah, and I think am I the only one? Yeah, I'm really excited yet? to see uh, it. Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man. On last podcast, they were talking about it. Yeah, it's a uh, Lee Wanell. It was. Yeah, so we watched mm-hmm. Upgrade, and this was the next movie oh, that he cool. did. And I think it's the perfect thing. It's what Universal should have done mm-hmm. all along, and I guess this wasn't the plan all along. But now it's kind of a backdoor into a new stab at the not dog. again. Yes. They're really gonna try it with, again with Blumhouse. Let them, and let I them feel do like it. that's what they should have done yeah, all they along. They were the right people to do it, right? Arguably, because like the the Universal monster movies were never like no, super they're not. Big no, they're budget. not blockbusters. No. In fact, I love the original and, uh, Invisible Man, but it, you know, it's it has nothing to do with this. Yeah. But it's like it's a good like hour fifteen, hour twenty, just like drama. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, most of them Vincent are. Price? Uh, no. But I think oh, he, he might he, other... he might show up in like a sequel. <laughs> I think he's in, like, the there's, second there's, one. They yeah. did the same thing with all of them, where there's, like, uh, maybe ten more movies. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. some movie where he's, like, wrapped up in bandages. I, this is, like, some weird, obscure memory that I have mm. of seeing this. Like, some black and white thing or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember one line that just, like, tickled me. It's like, pray, speak quietly. Each sound is exquisite agony to me. <laughs> 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 Wow. That was great. <laughs> I fucking love Vincent Not a bad Price Vincent so Price. Much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like this is what they should have done all along, uh, is give it to someone like Jason Blum, who makes horror movies mm-hmm. on a budget, makes them good, knows them. knows what people like yeah. about horror movies, yeah, and is able to, you know, make a huge turnaround on it because they have very small budgets. Was it was Get Out? So, yeah. But you know all, what yeah. also was was, was just that just bombed was Fantasy Island the horror remake, uh, which is apparently uh, mm-hmm. hot garbage. 
I heard it was one of the worst scripts. So, I, in a long time, you can be. It's it's like the same. It's the same principle as Kevin Smith, where it doesn't necessarily matter what comes out of the end result if you make it cheap enough that just getting it into theaters and like a minimum amount of people see it means you made your money back. But more often than yeah, not, a successful. Blumhouse production is good regardless. Right. But it has the same yeah. issue. I, and so back in 2016, when Universal was uh, crapping themselves because they wanted to have mm, an Avengers God. franchise on their hands, they made the the Tom Cruise mummy, which... Did any of you guys no. see that movie? Like really I learned bad. the twist, unfortunately. Sure did. It but... was insane. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy and I watched it. It was a wild movie. What? I was I drank what? the I just whole re- time. What? What I remember from that movie is that it the script was absolutely written for a person who was oh, like yeah. in the early 20s and then they were like but we can afford Tom Cruise like they referred to him as like a young man a bunch of times yeah they, they literally like in the in yes. the movie are like good job young man Weird. they're like young yeah. buck I just remember yeah. the that movie <laughs> like was very strange 60. I yeah. remember the uh, yeah. original trailer they dropped was like only sound effects and not dialogue or something like that <laughs> yes. and, the solo scream and I they, think, was they messed up real it, good it was just like Tom Cruise uh, yeah, yeah I do remember that when he's about minute. to like fall out of the plane or whatever it's just him screaming uh, I need to go find that that is so Does funny he have like the same level of investment of doing stunts in those films as he does in Mission Impossible. I'm pretty sure he did the at least the plane stunt in The Mummy. Oh, because yeah. he broke his ankle doing Jack Reacher, didn't he? No, it, it was, was it was during that's Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. Okay. Yeah, it was Where he kept running like an extra like 200 <laughs> yeah. yards afterwards. It's like, yep. I hurt myself. Because they knew they were going to have to shut down production. Ooh. He would have been fine if they would have made a sequel because he's The Mummy. <laughs> yeah. He could have just uh, wrapped it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so you, Universal had so much money. Thanks, guys. They had so much money writing on that movie to be a success and that they had already greenlit like four other universe, dark universe movies after that. And then when The Mummy didn't work, they just quickly, like within the week of The Mummy bombing, canceled all that, even though there was like sets built for a new Frankenstein right. yeah, movie. Who was, who was supposed to be Frankenstein? What? Um, was it? It was going Shit. to be... The guy from Country, no. No Country for Old Men. Javier yes. Bardem? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Javier Bardem. And I know it was like a backdoor into Russell Crowe. Frankenstein? Uh, I think he was going to be... Uh, he was going to be the monster. monster. Okay. Right. And I was like... Yeah. There was a... And Johnny Depp was going to be God, the Invisible Man. What a time. <laughs> well, is he? They even took like a... They even took like a promotional... <laughs> I mean, they even took like a promotional <laughs> picture. See the movie. And, like, posted it for, like, Entertainment Weekly of, like, here's the next, yeah, like, ten years that. of our big budget huh. movies. And then they it's all like got canceled in, like, Russell Crowe was Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> yeah. So, well. yeah. They said well, that he a, is in the movie. Yeah, that movie. yeah that's a back, there was a backdoor to that one being, like, he's their Samuel Jackson. <laughs> See, at least the mm-hmm. references they made in, like, Kong and Godzilla have actually, like, come, yeah. to, come fruition. to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of nice. <laughs> but, so, anyway, they were, like... After that, a couple years had passed, and Lee Wan El was like, "Hey, is anybody doing anything with the Invisible Man?" <laughs> and he, mm-hmm. basically, he made just a really like smart and interesting thriller that uh, had really cool practical nice. effects. It had a lot of the same like camera tricks that uh-huh. Upgrade has, where uh, you're like, it, it's like connected to somebody, so like the oh, action is really cool. Fluid. Um, 
but Elizabeth Moss is acting the mm, shit out nice. of it. She's great. I love her in Mad <laughs> Which, Men. I mean, most of the movie is her acting against nothing, right. having to, like, know that there's a, a, a malevolent presence in the room with her. And she sells it really, really well. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very good. I'm really excited to see whatever Lee Wan L wants to do next. The, he has references to uh, both Upgrade and Saw. There are both <laughs> Easter eggs. Yeah, because he created Saw. Is his big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jigsaw's hidden. The mm-hmm. puppet is in uh, oh, couple scenes, and. And the uh, like, the Invisible Man it works for an optics company. That's how he can become mm. invisible. Like he's he founded like this crazy optics mm. corporation that is the same corporation from Upgrade. Upgrade, Upgrade. yeah. And they only mentioned the name so of it. Are, they already have built the universe right there. Can you imagine if they yeah. brought Jigsaw, Upgrade, and the Invisible Man all into a movie? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'd see it. Yeah, I would have one of Jigsaw's that. trials is being locked in a room with the Invisible Man. Ooh. And there's a bunch of Crisco on the floor. What you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I also think that uh, probably the best thing that the movie does is it takes the story and it uh, makes uh, like domestic abuse is kind right. of the, at the mm-hmm. center of it. Because he, uh, the Invisible Man, is an abusive man to elizabeth moss and she escapes at the very beginning of the movie and the whole movie is kind of like people not believing her and being like he's not like that around anyone and like that's the point he's not like that around Mm -hmm. anyone but me and i think and uh from what i've heard it is a very accurate portrayal of that sort of Mm -hmm. relationship and i know a couple people who had very visceral reactions to that so uh I really, really, really liked it, and I would suggest that one way over Brahms, <laughs> nice. like the boy. Too. Yeah, I so was really he, excited to see it. Is he have to be yeah. naked? Because that's like the main thing they always do with like take off people. All the like you got to yeah. take off all your clothes. Is he? I don't oh. know, Sammy. Maybe you see that do? invisible donger. You'll just you'll <laughs> the just invisible to watch it and find out. donger. <laughs> do you see it, Sammy? <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. There's a scene where he's walking through the rain and you can just see the outline of, I'm in. of, I'm in. of the man there. And the it's like, it's distracting. <laughs> the pitter-patter of the falling rain. Jeez. Yeah. I love that Raymond can chide you from miles away. <laughs> I can't get away from it. There's no getting away you from cannot. it. You <laughs> cannot. All right. Well, and the nice thing about um, all right. this all, I mean, silver lining of this crazy time is that it's all already available digitally for us yeah, to watch there's a lot of stuff so, out right yeah, now that it, was just in theaters i just wonder how long it'll... everything that was in theaters is available to rent online and everything that was upcoming just got straight up canceled till uh yeah, further actually, notice. yeah like quick sidebar i wanted to kind of talk about that before we got into like uh, more other stuff like um yeah, like how how this is going to impact the the industry for the foreseeable future. Oh, it's crazy. Right. <clears throat> well, not not just like logistically or fiscally, but then also kind of in the tone of the movies that are going to be greenlit. Uh huh. You know, because you yeah, know, you kind of look at the impact of world events on what gets rolled out. 
in, mm-hmm. in the wake of like 9 11, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't have a film really about like hijackers and stuff like that. Anymore. Or anything like, like on a plane. Like your, yeah. Yeah, your standard like Air Force One diehard kind of thing kind of mm-hmm. died for a while. And it was all these kind of like, right. you know, cult of personality kind of really fanfare driven, you know, like Flight 93 or World Trade Center with Nick Cage or, you know, <clears throat> Even mm-hmm. even kind of uh, the what the Catherine Bigelow uh, you know, Zero Dark Thirty you know oh, like yeah. the gritty gritty realist kind of those the like the topic of Iraq wasn't off limits or anything but you know something about like terrorists taking a plane and threatening to blow something up was kind of off the table mm-hmm. for yeah. like a mm-hmm. decade <laughs> right so um, right. yeah I'm I'm wondering what you guys kind of take especially with the fact that China is now such a huge part of the equation for right. what tent pole movies get made where their percentage of the contribution to the international gross is such a present factor in most of what we roll out anymore you know what's going to be off limits how are we even going to roll out these big movies when for the foreseeable future in china they're probably not going to let you go to the goddamn theater for about they're you know, actually a, opening a, a it up time. now they just they're, open. they're replaying Jeez. avengers endgame and like a couple other things from <laughs> this last year wow but yeah, they're the, they're um, going back to work because they they stopped getting new cases. Yeah. Okay, not like and it's so there's good. Been a certain amount of days where new cases have come mm-hmm. in. But yeah, it's it's gonna be nuts because it's who knows what. I mean, they already the biggest thing that China does in the market is like they watch only big blockbusters because that's all they allow into China. So it's not like that's gonna change. But yeah, what what is gonna be what we send to them? You know, what's what's gonna be the tone of those blockbusters? What are yeah. we getting? Yeah, I was. Well, I mean, oh, I man. back when uh, No Time to Die got right. canceled, Ugh. it was kind of like, whoa, that's crazy! They canceled a huge thing because they were so uh-huh. worried about the Chinese box mm-hmm, office, right. and then it turned, and then it, you know, blew up so quickly that it was like within the next couple of days, just like everything was yeah. getting right. delayed, like A Quiet Place, and then Mulan. Fast and Furious got pushed back an entire year. Which that yep. that's silly, but that's because that movie really depends on them making back all of that money for all those stunts. Right. Yeah. Especially when they want to do like you know three right. or four more. A Quiet Place <laughs> is a rough one because like they had done all the marketing already. It was coming out within days of them canceling it. Yeah. So like yep. they spent that Same entire Mulan. marketing Mulan. budget. Well, I guess Mulan yeah. was supposed to come out tomorrow. Right. So, I mean, Mulan had already had its premiere. Like critics have seen That's the movie. That's crazy. And, and reviews were coming out. And and yeah. now Disney's postponed everything. Wow. It's gonna mm-hmm. be a different landscape. With... I was laughing with my uh, teachers because saw... uh, trimester two this this trimester before we stopped having school was mm-hmm. we were reading dystopian novels so I, we were reading like Hunger Games and Maze Runner to the kids and then all this oh, stuff wow. rolls out and we're like oh well I mean it kind of worked out that you kind of read about this stuff and learned about it because now mm-hmm. we're kind of in that <laughs> now who's volunteering well, and, as tribute <laughs> right well, and and that kind of begs the the question as to is it a fascination or is it kind of a collective fear you can kind of see that in films in the 50s about like the nuclear era right and Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. uh, like the impending the acts that's over everybody's head when you as a child are doing like nuclear drills where you're getting under your desks like that'll fucking help right are Um, we gonna get like a bunch of chernobyl style dramas about this you know is it gonna uh, be like well, off, no no sickness can be the main focus focus of a movie. <laughs> I know we're gonna well, get five 
at least five uh, quarantine rom-coms for sure. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, yeah, it depends on kind of the perspective that we're Nicholas all going to. Sparks has been busy. Oh, fuck. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it, it depends on kind of the collective response, I guess, to, to this. You know, right. there are people that are fucking dying on a daily basis, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, are we going to look back on that and and look at more of the positives that's that's been driven from forced isolation? You know, like the priorities that get shifted, the way that we all handle it, you know, the the kindnesses are coming out. You know, like Mr. Rogers always said, look for mm-hmm. the helpers. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of helpers that are coming mm-hmm. out right now. You know, are we gonna are we gonna look back on this time and kind of have like a funny, you know, Jumanji gif kind of approach to it, or are we gonna look back at it as kind of like a taboo thing that we can't really talk about in a jovial way because this became like very real for a lot of people very mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. You know, and yeah. So you know, our collective responses might have been overall, you know, supportive or or healthy. You know, but there are a lot of people that, you know, don't bode well with being by themselves for weeks on end, you yeah. know, and FaceTime doesn't yeah. do it. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I imagine there's probably going to be a lot of that as a theme, isolation, more mm-hmm. than the the uh, pandemic part of it. Sure. Know, because we've had kind of our bouts of our 28 Days Later kind of movies, mm. you know, and well, the, yeah, zombie, mm-hmm. the zombie phenomenon, that kind of thing. So, like, that... That uh, that kind of collective phobia has kind of uh, maybe run its course, you know, for now. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you see know, the, I, the rise of a lot of people watching those movies. Like we were gonna do Contagion for the podcast, and like people watching all of those again. Like those or Contact, isn't that the other one like that people out, are watching? Outbreak. Out, outbreak. Outbreak. Yep. Dustin yeah. Hoffman. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I I guess time will tell how you know we uh, as as species and as individual societies kind of respond to this this whole thing. Mm. Um, so I'm yeah. I'm interested. I'll, I'm also worried about like I. the theaters because like it's obvious now like they could just release it digitally now. Like are people even gonna go oh. to the theaters? Like so I mean Universal announced that uh, they're just pulling everything. Kind of was like oh it's postponed until uh-huh. further notice like we don't know when it'll come out but trolls world tour the new trolls movie they just straight up said we're just going to put that on streaming you just rent it on the day it was right. that's a smart out. move and theaters mm-hmm. and theaters yeah. were pissed it, like regal was saying like Universal's going to regret mm-hmm. doing this but now like a week later amc i think it was yesterday amc just furloughed all yep. of their corporate employees including the ceo mm-hmm. so like that's not good yeah. No, it's everything's just gonna time. go it digital. Already it, domestically, it was already a pretty shrinking market. I feel like, yeah, the yeah. theater experience is kind of becoming more of a niche thing. Where right, but there's gonna be some of those movies. Really like, sucks. I'm okay with watching most of them digital, but there's some like I like James Bond. I want to see in theaters. So if they like yeah. take it completely yeah. away, it's gonna suck. I want to see Tenet yeah, on too. the biggest screen. I want to see that. Like 1917. Like that was I had to see that in theaters. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, crazy. Mm-hmm. It's sad. I will be very sad if the... Yeah, how are we supposed to get our uh, ad pay from A-List if it's not a thing anymore? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, right. I, I think that in the wake of that kind of thing, um, that the more boutique experiences that have been popping up, things like the Garland or like the Magic Lantern or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, where they don't have the equipment right now, 
you know, but if something like mm-hmm. a Regal or an AMC were to go under, then what are they going to do with their shit? You know, like they're going to parse it out. I actually knew a guy in a local band that used an old speaker from an old theater when they updated it as his bass rig, which was fucking nuts because it was huge and really overly loud. <laughs> oh. Um I still think really good. Garland could still run because they show movies that are already out all the time. They could just keep well, doing that. Well, those I think would be the the people that would pick it up anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, just basically mm-hmm. kind of accept the fact that online distribution is going to be the the primary way that vehicle for people to watch things anymore. So I guess you know? yeah, if the yeah. James Bond comes out digitally, but then Garland's like, we're going to show it in theaters, then we could still go to Garland. People will still go. The people that were going to go to the theater anyway are going to go. We'll still go. Hope doesn't come to that, but that might be. I sure hope not. I think that's uh, going to be the eventuality of it if it's, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's spin this bad boy. Hit that wheel. See what we get. See if we'll get a third Andy. I hope not. I'm tired of talking. (laughs) Oh. oh, looks like it's going to be Ramon. Oh, oh boy. Girl. Oh. Okay. I don't have a lot to say about um, this one. But, yeah, I saw Horse Girl. Which I don't even know is what this is. A, oh, so it's a Netflix original that is... It premiered at Sundance. Yes. It is co-written and stars Alison Brie. And it's her first uh, hmm. screenwriting credit. And uh, she is also the starring character, the titular horse girl um it is it is a nightmare of a movie um, i i don't i i appreciated the experience of watching it i don't think i would ever do it again so the the setup is kind of like allison Bree's character is like the most depressing socially awkward person you could think of and then she has a mental breakdown and the entirety of the movie is like every 15 to 20 minutes you like learn some more devastatingly sad thing about her life and then she goes uh. deeper into like a psychotic break where Ugh. she like starts seeing things uh, it's it's um an experience that sounds like a lot Raymond. <laughs> yes i uh, i thought it was going to be about the one girl that like runs like a horse because don't they call her a horse girl? <laughs> yeah uh no so it's like she so she's I like want a seven part talk about her <laughs> <laughs> i would take that i think so it's, it's a movie where like she's a mid to late 20s girl who like lives in california and she works at like a fabric store and her family used to own a horse that she rode, but like she had to give it up due to like family circumstances. So she spends all her free time, like at the horse stables with like the new girl who owns the horse, and she's like watching it and like being awkward, being like, "Oh, you need to like ride her like this. She doesn't like that. You need to pet her like this, stuff like that." And they all hate her, and like <laughs> her her birthday comes up, and then ends up being like near the time that her mother died. And, like, she has, like, a psychotic breakdown where she starts having dreams where, like, people who work in the nearby store, she's imagining, like, her and them being, like, probed by aliens. And she starts, like, stalking them. She's sleepwalking. What is this movie? What the fuck, really? They kind of, um, they kind of imply that she is her and her family. Like, she's either, like, depressed or has, like, a, uh, schizophrenia, maybe. And so, yeah. like, the, the movie as it goes is, like, her seeing things and then you seeing the reality of what is actually happening. And mm. it's, like, 
it becomes more and more drastically different to where the last 40 minutes or so of the movie is mostly everything she is seeing and not the real world and it is mm-hmm. boy it Ooh. it's like she she like goes to bed and sleepwalks out of her apartment onto the street and goes to a payphone and calls her cell phone that's still inside the house at one point she's like sleepwalk driving and just leaves her car in the middle of the road and walks back home <laughs> it's, all right it's a it's a nightmare that so, title is so misleading <laughs> yeah it it is uh yeah it was a real downer but i appreciated the movie because i think overall it was it's not perfect uh but i thought it was overall like a really good um view into what that kind of life might be like for someone she really struggles with like mental instability and like people try to get her help but she can't like discern what's real and what's not um but overall an incredible downer and i was i was i i it's not here in the list i don't think oh no it is but i'll just talk about it right now we can get rid of we can get rid of um the little slice on the list but right afterwards i finished it Uh oh my oh my computer went on standby but we're good right okay you guys hear oh, me? Yeah. yeah yes yeah, okay fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So right afterwards, I finished it. It was like on a day off, and I just started Horse Girl at like 8.30 in the morning. And so Oof. like the, the last 40 minutes of it is like an acid trip, and you just feel bad the whole time. So I was like, <laughs> fuck, mm-hmm. I need something else that's also like a nice Netflix original that I can watch to cleanse my palate. So then I put on Brie Larson's uh, Unicorn Store. Oh. And uh, that movie is also a trip. But not, oh, I thought not you were going to say also way. a downer. I was going to be like, no, no Raymond! <laughs> no. Just it's, double down. Uh, Unicorn Store is a movie that Brie Larson directed. So it is her mm-hmm. first director. It's her directorial debut, and she also stars in it. And it was kind of funny because I read afterwards that like, they, they shot the movie in 2017, but like she auditioned for the, the main role in 2016, and they didn't give it to her. And then a year later, before shooting, they offered her director, so she made herself the lead character. <laughs> but okay. it's um she does a good job in it it's just uh the the unicorn store is a very strange whimsical premise where it's like a bag of mixed metaphors so like unicorn store mm-hmm. is a movie where brie larson is a like she's playing like between 21 22 years old and she like fails out of art college in new york because they don't understand her whimsical designs because she's like childlike mm-hmm. and so like they they're like oh no you need to be like serious artist this is garbage lisa frank inspired pastel shit so she goes home super depressed and they like her parents make her get a real job in a corporate like she gets a job in a corporate office and then she gets a letter sent to her at the office that's like come to this store and she goes to the address and samuel jackson in like black wizard <laughs> magical man uh, stereotype is like oh yeah i could give you a unicorn and she's like what he's like yeah i'll give you a unicorn we'll have one here it'll be your real life own unicorn if you just do all these things and he feel the dreams her into being like (laughs) into like oh yeah you you gotta you gotta like build a stable for the unicorn and you have to like be good like you gotta make up with your parents and be like on good terms with them and you need to be like happy and positive and uh pure heart motherfucker yeah and uh so so overall it's like the movie is really about like what it 
what it's trying to say, although it's incredibly jumbled, is like uh, what it means to go like from young adult to actual adult and like how to like retain your creativity that you have as a child and like not be a soul sucking adult who has no fun. But the mm. the problem, the main problem with the movie is that it is a movie made by adults starring adults that is about going from childhood to adulthood but it's written from the perspective of like brie larson's character being like 12 years old or like she's going from middle school to high school is like her like emotional level Uh, and so it really doesn't everything is like the strangest she acts like a child the whole movie it's so incredibly strange to the point that like she has an argument with her parents at the dinner table and they've got like a bottle of wine on the table and she picks it up, drinks it and goes to her room and takes the bottle with her. And I was like, is she allowed to do that? And I was like, Oh yeah, she's supposed to be like 22. I forgot. Okay. See, but yeah. Yeah. It sounds like sexy baby. Yeah. It's, but things. like, it's, it's not I made. Don't like, I don't like, like sexy baby. Things. She, she's not made. It's actually not made sexual like at all, which is weird because they've got like a whole subplot. <laughs> Why where, else like, would Raymond watch I it? I keep getting God by these fucking closed captions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like sexy baby things. <laughs> it, uh, like if, we, if this transcript gets released, uh-huh. I can still run for public office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're safe. But but no, there's like a whole subplot where like she gets this temp job at a like an advertising firm, and like the whole perspective is like what children think adults do. So she gets like a temp job at this advertising firm where her whole job is just to photocopy ads and like deliver them to people so it's her just like standing in a scanner scanning pages of a magazine and uh All like right. the, the vice president of the company is really like sexually harassing her but she doesn't understand what that is and he like it's not conveyed in a way that's like an adult way it's like hinted at i don't at like me. this raymond no. i don't <laughs> but like this at all that's that's a very minor subplot and it's very strange but it's it it's weird it's a weird movie it doesn't stick the landing Overall, by the end of the movie, like the last 10 minutes of the movie, I understood what was going on where I'm just going to spoil it for you guys because there's no reason to watch it. I'm not going to oh, yeah, watch no. this yeah. fucking movie. Um, <laughs> the, at the, by the end of the movie, it's like this whole deal where she starts telling everyone about like, I'm going to get a unicorn and she befriends a guy who becomes like her boyfriend. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not real. <laughs> You've been scammed. And like, it becomes very real. And Samuel Jackson keeps calling her, being like, the unicorn is here. You need to get it. And everyone's, like, trying to convince her that, like, this is not real. This is, like, you are imagining this. And then she gets there, and the unicorn's fucking there in, like, the last five minutes of the movie. And it's, like, the real break. She has, like, this this monologue where it's, like, the unicorn, it turns out, was, like, her imaginary friend as a kid. And so it's her, like... It's been brought to fru. It's been like brought to fruition as like a real thing she could have if she like did all this stuff. And she has to be like, "Oh no, I don't need this. I'm I now I'm like prepared enough to be an adult. I don't need my imaginary friend. I, I don't need my unicorn. The real but it's unicorn like, was the friend. We yeah, made but they never that. they never set up that she had an imaginary unicorn friend in the movie. Oh. They never do. No. They just like they show her drawing unicorns all the time, but it's like they don't reference that whatsoever. They just keep going oh you can have a unicorn and she's like i could have a unicorn and that's like the entire interaction (laughs) and then the end of the movie the monologue she has while petting this horse is like oh yeah we used to have like tea parties together and 
you know, you were my only friend, and I used to talk to you every night. And it's like this we never insane. set this up. It's like that's that's like a really Weird. that's like a good that's a good very sweet premise of like a metaphor for giving up your childhood or realizing you've grown past it. But like it only introduces it in the last five minutes of an hour and thirty seven minute movie. <laughs> this sucks. But it was like overall, by the time it got to that, I was like. Oh, okay. I understand now. And I was like, overall, that was a cute, fun. Like Samuel Jackson gets to be a fun, like whimsical, magical black man, and and Brie <laughs> Larson gets to be a weird child person. But it's a mixed bag. Let's let's hmm. say that both movies hmm. were a mixed bag. I think Horse Girl was actually a good movie. With I just like, realized that just you watched two like, horse movies. Are you? Okay? I did them in a row. I did them in a row because I was like, I was interested in both of them, and I was like, well, I watched the depressing horse movie. Let's watch the good horse movie. And then the good horse movie was actually bad, and the depressing oh. movie was good. <laughs> wow. But yeah, that was my horse weekend a couple weeks ago. Oh, sweet. I did those in one day. Oh, horse cast for the week. God damn. Yeah, that was, that was horse cast between two horses that mean too many things to too many people. Between, between two horses could be the name of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh. If you build Fucking, it, the horses will it's, come. It sounds like the, like, uh, the, what, the UCB has sketches on YouTube. Uh-huh. And so there's one about like 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 new sexy baby girl uh, uh-huh. or whatever where it's just like you're like yeah i do artists it's art it literally i think mentions like lisa frank uh-huh. it's and, it's so and... strange of a movie too because there's a whole scene where like there's a whole lead up to like the 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 vice president of the company is like his part of like hitting on her is telling her that like she's gonna be able to make this special presentation for a vacuum they're gonna sell so like she's gonna be like give a marketing pitch for this thing because she's so outside the box creative she'll be able to come up with like this crazy idea and it ends up being like she's got like an entire sparkle outfit on and rainbows and tassels and it's like a fucking 10 year old would deliver a presentation (laughs) but she's the only person in that universe because then like what she comes into the office looking like that to give the presentation and the vice president's trying to be like oh you showed up I was just like hitting on you oops and like he's there with like the person in charge of approving the ads and that that woman's like what the fuck is this <laughs> so it's like and it's like within the, the confines of the movie it doesn't it, like it's trying to play with the fact that she is entirely like out of the realm of a normal person but it's written her so young in age mentally that it makes no goddamn sense to watch and my girlfriend came in several times while I was watching it. I just kept looking at her and being like, she is coded as being like 12 years old. This makes no sense. <laughs> it sounds like, like the other sister. Like, I don't, Oh yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> you don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, those are my horse adventures. Uh, All right, let's horse girl is, horse girl is a good, is a time. It's not good. Unicorn store is a time. That's good, but it's not a good movie. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Spin that wheel. Here Spin we go. Wheel, Spin that wheel. Oh, are we getting? Oh, 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 oh here we go. Oh, yelling. Andy and I get to fight. All right. <laughs> Belly up to the bar. You listen here. <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, watched Frozen 2 and regretted it the entire time. I hate it. 
Mm-hmm. I could feel like you. I would regret it if I saw it. So I understand you would regret it. <laughs> I, because I, I like the first one. I thought the first one was good. Oh, I like, don't. We took a long time to see it in theaters, and we finally, because Kenzie was like, oh, well, I don't want to see the first one in theaters, like, at all. We finally saw it, and I was like, I actually thought it wasn't bad, and I've seen it a couple times since then, and I was like, it's a pretty good movie. I was uh-huh. like, oh, let's watch Frozen 2. It took us a little while to, like, oh, because my mom was like, I cried. I was like, well, I don't uh-huh. want a sad movie, but mom cries mm-hmm. at everything, so I was like, let's watch it, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it, like, there was only like a couple parts. I think I liked the last thirty minutes, and I liked the now. Now to be into the fair, unknown song is good, w- but I didn't. I didn't like it. Yeah. Now to be fair, you weren't gonna like it because it has female. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were primed not to like that one. So, but I liked like the first one. What do you, you got to say about that? Because I liked the first one. <laughs> You thought they were dudes? You're lying. Oh, I'm thought lying. it was like like a, like a Hanson yeah. situation where it was just all boys that sung real high. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I just, I mean, Andy will defend it, but I just. Well, you told me when you started watching it that you were in a bad yeah. mood. So I was, I was excited to enjoy a Disney movie that would make me happy, and I was pissed off. It just made me more pissed off. You said, I'm in a bad mood. Should I watch this movie right now? And I said, probably no, not. No, you did not. You, you said, did not I'm say gonna... probably not. I absolutely did. I said, yeah, don't watch it if you're in a bad mood. We were 20 minutes in, and I was like, Andy, what the hell is this movie? And you FaceTimed me, and you're like, what are you doing? I was like, this movie's shit. (laughs) You were trying to explain to me things that you didn't like about it, and I couldn't see why they were, like, bad things. You were like, they... You you said that you didn't like that they introduced different story elements, and I was like... They gave a backstory. It's a sequel. They're expanding the universe. And you were like, I didn't like that it came out of nowhere. And I was like, Sammy, I got news for you. That's called screenwriting. But it's not set up. (laughs) The problem that I have is that it's nowhere at all set up in the first one. Because you know they didn't really think they were going to make a second one. So then they have to throw all this shit into the second one to make something out of it. That's called making a sequel. I just, it didn't anywhere after seeing the second one going back and watching the first one be like oh i see how that fits in there like it's all like added stuff that i don't think makes sense for the first one it feels like they went into two being like all right how do we how do we do a new thing here instead yeah, of like after so one they're like this could continue stuff. it is so much new stuff it's uh-huh. insane <laughs> but that new stuff i didn't feel like was bad i thought the new stuff was interesting enough to be its I, own thing. I mean, I some That's of it was interesting, but I just maybe the way they were delivering it because it was a lot of like exposition stuff. Like the the beginning is the dad just like telling them all those things that have happened, and then they get to another point, and then it's these people telling them all the things that have happened, and then it's like, all right, now we're gonna keep going with all this new stuff that has now happened, and I don't know. Yeah, I thought that the five minute monologue where Olaf discusses how um, they are a non-binary character was like really yeah. unnecessary. You know, just I didn't like, know why he decided to yeah, do that. That was weird. You know, you know, yeah, I didn't feel it contributed much to the narrative. <laughs> and then they were like, "Elsa's not lesbian. We won't allow it." We no, <laughs> no. All right, no. but I, again, I the end of the and unknown no song slaps. I love that song. <laughs> That is such a good song. So you got one but good winner out of it. I got one good. Go. And I, I didn't uh I thought the what song is it, Andy, that uh Kristoff sings? 
that they make fun uh, of like Queen music videos through oh, the whole thing. It's like making fun of White Snake. Oh, yeah, White Snake, and oh, it makes fun of like fun. Queen. But it's like and that's really funny, yeah. and I really like that. But does not fit in with the rest of the movie. It doesn't even match the rest of the movie. That's at all. for adults and not yeah, for the a, children. It, right? Yeah. It's a dream. <laughs> it's a dream sequence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know, but yeah. it didn't fit with the rest of the movie. Like none of the other movie had like references like that in it. And it was mean, a bad movie. That's like a <laughs> that's like a DreamWorks kind of deal, <laughs> not a not a Disney Pixar. Not this this All isn't right. an unstoppable I'm... force and movable object. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Andy has a Andy. You didn't defend it very much. I think I'm right. <laughs> I just I don't think that anything you're saying is accurate to what the movie. Maybe is. I still have it. I borrowed it from my family. Maybe I'll put it in again and hate it more. <laughs> you're like, I I just. You're saying that these things don't make sense, and I was like, I had no problem with it. It made perfect sense to me. I mean, I will agree that I was probably not in the right mindset to watch it, but <laughs> it just it didn't help. It, yeah, but like when someone puts on like like Wham or something, when I'm in like a terrible mood, it really does just throw gas on that fire. Right. Like yeah, so I could I could see it's... how you just weren't in the right headspace to uh-huh. take in a fucking Disney movie of all things. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, there you that go. Is the least likely thing I will ever put on if I'm in a bad mood. Because <laughs> that would yeah. just turn it up to fucking 11. <laughs> but at the same time, Crabs I'm like, don't if I'm not, sing. In, a, if I'm not in a good mood. don't sing. <laughs> if I'm not in a good mood, I'm like, yeah, let's put on a Disney movie. Put me in a good mood. And it didn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think it's a great movie See, but i didn't right think there. it deserved the amount of hate you were you were giving to it so i was like i feel like i need right, to, still out on to fight this because you were just very angry over something that i didn't feel warranted the amount of well, i did thro- like address a lot of my anger at you like you made it so <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, okay i'm all sorry right. Andy. all right all right all right okay, okay. Shake, shake elbows later spin that wheel Mo- all right on. here we go God, the lag on the wheel is great for me. I love it. Oh, is it really <laughs> laggy? For it's me. Yeah. Back to my childhood. Ooh. Oh, oh back to Raymond. Tiger King. Okay. I saw Ugly Delicious Season 2. Uh, I am a... I was a big fan of Season 1 of Ugly Delicious. Uh, Chef David Chang's show. He has become like... He, he started by being this up-and-coming chef that was featured on PBS's Mind of a Chef show. And at this point, he's got like five or six restaurants, but he, at this point, he's got like several TV shows. He's all over the place as a huge entertainment guy. So season one is him kind of going around and, and um, investigating these like ethnic foods and how they come to America and like like really doing like a documentary like episodes of like every different kind of popular version that like an ethnic food has had through like its original point to like all over America. It's so, like the mm. first episode of, of season one is him doing pizza where he not only does he go to like a New York pizzeria where it's like world renowned. He also delivers pizza for Domino's and he goes to Italy and has pizza and he goes to Japan and has oh. like a weird Japanese pizza. <laughs> so he does that with like in Japan, all sorts of different uh, guests and and different styles of food and travels across the world doing it. Um, and then he did a show that was like four episodes that came out late last year, I think. Maybe early this early this year. I think it was late last year called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, where he did like four episodes of him 
essentially doing like a long form interview with different guests um like the first episode of seth rogan but they go to like the city seth rogan wants to go to and they have breakfast lunch and dinner there and do stuff throughout the city the whole time so like seth rogan's episode is them talking about like the creative process and how they make movies and how like that relates to cooking and stuff like that but it's also they both get really high in in canada and they like get lost in a maze together and they have breakfast lunch and dinner (laughs) at these different places um so now season two of ugly delicious is different it's kind of like um a combination of those two shows it's four episodes instead of the eight episodes the first season has which makes me think that he like bargained with netflix to just split his episode order into a second show for breakfast lunch and dinner because that has four episodes and this has four episodes so i think he just split his budget and did two separate shows Uh Um, he also very recently had a, a kid so in this show they spend a lot more time without dave in it and they do this really interesting thing throughout each episode where he has like it starts with like a roundtable discussion of like a bunch of people talking about a certain kind of food and then a bunch of those people from that conversation are sent out like remote assignments to talk about like or they go to a restaurant themselves or they go do an experience themselves without dave and they become like remote journalists for it which is a really fun change uh i really enjoyed it the first episode is about what what it's like to have a kid and be a chef and stuff like that and it's they they yeah it's very cute they they go take a uh it like the the main storyline is like following dave as him and his wife like are preparing to have a kid and how that starts and then he interviews his mom and his wife's mom who are korean like hardcore they came from korea so it's like what korea does to like how they're they're hard. hardcore oh you, mean, oh you mean like korean korean yeah <laughs> but then they also go to like there's a there's a restaurant he goes to where the the chef has set up his house and the restaurant in the same place so like he can spend all day with his kids and then like he just opens a door and he's in his restaurant so it's, it's kind of it's very cute and like one of them makes his own baby food at the restaurant and stuff like that but yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of fun stuff in the show. Um, it's not as involved as season one is because he is so limited in time. Right. But it's it's still a really interesting show. Like he, I think it's it's either the last episode or the second to last episode where he does like the concept of shawarma and like rotisserie style meat because he adds one to a Korean barbecue place he is opening and he's like, well, is that like am I just appropriating something or like what's, what's this mean to like change it for a different kind of food. And he goes to India for one thing. He goes all over the world. It's very cool. It's a very cool food show that actually has something to say about minorities across America and where our, where our food comes from and the history of it and how it changes. So I thought it was a really good time. Cool. cool. Yeah. How long are the episodes? Like 45 minutes to an hour. And there's four of them. Hell yeah. Nice. All right. You and your cooking shows, you love them. Yes. Yeah, they are good. (laughs) I got to watch. I mean, I love The Chef, the movie. I got to watch more. Uh, The Chef show is really fun, too, if you haven't seen that. Dave Chang's in that as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Yes. Spinning that wheel. Spinning it. Spin in it, spin in it, spin it, spin it. Oh, we're going to get one we've already done. Oh, yeah, you could just delete that. Oh, right round. 
Get rid of that. All right, Raymond, Get talk about the unicorn that's story. <laughs> Let's, trash Let's not. We already did. Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. We've Run like that. a horse. <laughs> that sounds so creepy. That is the stuff of nightmares. Oh, oh no. Okay. Oh, oh. good. Oh. Andy already oh. gave me a preview of this a couple weeks ago. Andy told me the whole yes. plot of this movie, and I'm upset. <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, I'm going to talk about how I saw yes. this movie. You and your so horror movie? movies this, week, uh, this time around. Yes. I know. And mostly horror movies. I have one more horror movie to talk about wow. after this. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. Yeah, we look at the list. Uh, in, <laughs> me and my fiance, Emily, are looking to move to Austin, no. Texas. And so Boo. in February. Well, at least we know this works. I know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah this works. <laughs> I won't be going anywhere podcast wise. But uh, in February, we took a visit down to uh, see the city and look at some apartments and stuff like that. And while we were there, the first stop, I said, is going to be the Alamo House. Because I've always wanted to go see something in the Alamo. And it was a a bad time of year because there wasn't much out except for Birds Mm. of Prey. And we had already seen that. And we wanted to see something new. And so we decided we were going to go see... Uh, an independent film that I had heard about at some of the uh, festivals from the end of last year, a horror movie called The Lodge. Mm. Which and I, I still is, have not seen anything for or heard about at all. Except for I, like, I had oh, seen a little blip about it, but I had no idea what it was about or anything. Yeah. I assumed it was going to be I like a seen, sci-fi movie, not a horror movie. Yeah. I had seen the trailer, and uh, it looked sufficiently creepy, and I heard very creepy things coming out of festivals about it. Uh, it stars... Uh, Riley Koof, I think is how you say her name. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) And also uh, the guy who plays uh, Thorin Oakenshield in the Hobbit movies. Yeah, Richard Armitage. Richard Armitage, yes. Uh, And then uh, Stanley from uh, Chapter 2 and Chapter 1. Not Stanley. It's not Stanley? It's not Stanley. It's the main It's the main main kid. Oh, I thought it was Stanley. Oh, I guess I'm thinking of the the new Netflix thing with her, the girl and him. Yeah. The main main child from the It films is uh, one of the young, one of the two young children in the movie. And so uh, Emily and I love, like, psychological, emotional, terrorizing movies. Hereditary. You love uh, that? Midsummer. All those, we eat that shit up. <laughs> we love horror movies like that. And I heard that's exactly what The Lodge was. And so we were both very excited. We were going to go see it in Alamo Draft House. The food was incredible. Nice. Uh, beforehand, we went to the attached bar that has uh, private karaoke rooms that you can rent out. <laughs> and, and a couple of them are themed to different things they had it they have a twin peaks karaoke room that you can rent for 45 dollars an hour that fits up to 12 people and it looks like it looks like the red lodge that's so (laughs) fun fuck that's awesome yeah or the black lodge scary as shit (laughs) (laughs) yes um and so we were having a great time had some drinks sat down ordered some food and uh, the pre-show at the Alamo Draft House is really cool because it's all hand curated by mm. someone. So they were playing. So it's a it's a horror movie set in like a blizzard in like a lodge around Christmas time. So they were showing a lot of like trailers for old Christmas movies. They showed Black Christmas clip. Mm. They showed um, you know tons of old stuff, the stuff that you wouldn't see normally. Right. And then they show like three to four regular trailers, and then the movie starts. So the pre-show was cool. We ordered food, and then. 
uh, from the second the movie started, we had a terrible experience. <laughs> oh. oh no! Um, because uh, Emily's food slip got lost, oh. and after the movie starts, they kind of try to not. They try to get most of your food and everything done before the movie starts, so then they're not interrupting people with, like, food service and stuff like that, which is nice. But about an hour into the movie, when her food hadn't showed up, we were like, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Luckily, they were extremely nice and took um, that and some of the other things we bought off of the bill. That's cool. So I didn't have to pay for that, and they brought us, like, free dessert and stuff. So that was very nice, and I don't blame the Alamo at all for that mm-hmm. because I, everything on their end minus that was great the movie however was not good <laughs> well that's i think goes with the it, fact that i literally have not heard of it except for what you have told me that must not have been that good. yeah so it is a emotional emotionally terrorizing in in an overly mean way uh, it felt like a movie that was just trying to be mean to the audience uh, because of how dour and sad it is and also every person in the movie is an absolute idiot uh, that does the worst, the worst thing possible um the the basic premise of the movie and we didn't know this going into the movie uh i just knew it was like creepy kids mm going with their uh, stepmom and dad to a, a cabin in the woods where creepy stuff starts happening. It's kind of the basic premise that I got from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts out and Alicia Silverstone is Wow, in I haven't movie, thought about her in forever. Playing... <laughs> yeah. And she plays the children's mother. And they're with her and she's like getting the kids ready to take them to uh, their dad's house. And she's like, really sad and upset so it seems like it's like a fresh a uh, fresh separation and she's taking the the kids to go stay with their dad for the weekend and so uh she shows up with the kids and the dad is like oh hey the kids uh go run to the store go buy some candy i gotta talk to your mom and basically breaks it to her he's like oh yeah i want to get a divorce because i want to marry my new girlfriend nice who's also his he's a like famous uh, psychiatrist, mm. and she is one of his patients. Ooh, yeah! Lose yeah. that license. And so she, she is very. Uh, she goes. So he's basically asking her to like finalize the divorce so that he can get remarried, mm. and she's broken up about it. And so she smiles and says, "Okay." Drives home, and then you watch in full detail as she shoots her brains. Nice. Out. Oh. Very graphic. Hell yeah. Appropriate response. <laughs> Hell and yeah. Then it is about a, and then it is about a half hour of grief and young children mourning their mother. Fuck, man. And they blame the the dad's girlfriend for doing it. Well, she did. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then you find out that the, the dad's girlfriend is famous because she's the last surviving member of a cult. Cool that all did mass suicide and she was the last one that was left alive so she could spread the teachings and her dad led the the word and so she like distanced herself and has been in therapy for years because of that and andy this sounds uh, miserable also it it is and what i didn't have any food with it yeah (laughs) 
I'm hungry and what? sad. <laughs> this retelling that I'm giving you, like, be happy because I'm not recommending anybody watch this movie. <laughs> it doesn't deal with the parent suicide very well. It kind of treats it as, like, a story beat and a reason for these kids to hate this lady. But, like... You could very, they could very easily just not like her because she caused like the parents to get a divorce. Uh Like there is no reason to have such a graphic like suicide other than to just like have it there to make you see it, to make you watch it and wallow Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically, they go out and uh, the dad's like, "Oh, we're gonna put all this behind us. We're gonna go have Christmas up at our our lodge." And you guys are going to come with and everyone's going to bond and it's going to be great. And so then they go up and then the dad's like, oh, wait, I got to leave for work. So you're, you guys are going to stay here with her. And so it's just her and the kids. And basically they, everything starts uh, disappearing. Like their food starts disappearing and her medication starts disappearing and all their stuff starts disappearing, all their supplies. Mm-hmm. And she's like, asking the kids where they're at and they're like we don't know like we don't know what's happening and then like weird stuff starts happening and she starts hearing like the voice of her dad talking to her and telling her to repent oh boy and then you're like "Uh oh she's not on her meds she's going crazy and uh, her dog gets out and freezes in the snow and the movie makes you look at a dead dog corpse (laughs) for much longer than it should good and so you're like wow this is crazy and then at some point they go outside and there is a obituary for all of their deaths oh and they come to the conclusion that they died and they're in purgatory Hmm. and until she repents for her sins they can't pass on big yikes she's gotta gotta kill them kids (laughs) yeah and so this what you think is going on and then you discover Uh that the kids are faking all of it because they want to torture this lady Hmm. twist they've done all (laughs) of this and they've hit Hmm. all of it (laughs) except it's gone too far at this point and she's not on her meds and starts going crazy and guess what dad left a gun Ooh, (laughs) Chekhov's gun (laughs) so she starts losing her mind and is like well i gotta kill these kids to repent for our sins so then we can go we can pass on you gotta kill these kids you gotta and so then dad shows up at the last minute and is like hey um don't do that this is real you're not in purgatory they were faking it and she was like i don't believe you and shoots him in the face in front of the kids and so then they have to deal with that and then it implies the that uh, she kills all of them in a mass suicide, and that's where the movie ends. Okay, well, Andy, so the kids learned a lesson. After everything you said here today, I cannot imagine this movie is bad. This sounds <laughs> yeah. like an excellent you know, film. This sounds... is a roundup of a bunch of shit I will never watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this sounds like the movie that Raymond so... should have watched after Horse Girl to really pick oh, him up. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would have really would have put a pep um, in my step. Yeah. I also the mo- there's a point in the movie where they are watching John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. And during that entire scene, I just felt like I wanted to watch The Thing <laughs> instead. And that's not something you right. want. I want, you want, I want someone movie. to cut together Alicia Silverstone like picking out an outfit on her computer and then immediately just blowing her brains out. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's in the movie for all of five minutes, yep. wow. but it is very disturbing. I love it. 
Great. Yeah. So right. I hated that Moving movie. Moving on. But I loved the Alamo <laughs> Draft House. Remember the Alamo. Don't remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, we're having a great time. Spinning the wheel. <laughs> I gotta some... chip, chip, chipping away. <laughs> really just... <laughs> More depressing shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Your turn. Doctrinating children. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, actually, like, immediately before the, the podcast started, I got through episode three of uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion? Soft Evangelion? Hard? Yeah. Evangelion? Evangelion. Evangelion. Anyway... Uh, and yeah, that's been uh, a nice palate cleanser in between uh, Tiger King episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll until you get to the end of it, let's let's say that right oh. now. The end of I'm Evangelion already... is uh, oh. a meltdown. I'm, I'm getting some Whew. some some hints here uh-huh. and there of like, oh, he's becoming like fucking Gomer Pyle, only mm-hmm. Japanese. Oh boy, yeah, I watched um, two episodes of sure it when is. it first dropped on Netflix, and then I never went back to it. So I might have How to. How dare you, but... sir? It's 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 a ride. I mean, stylistically, I'm in love with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. because I I really dig like the whole like uh, like vaporwave thing, which is also like heavily inspired by anime from this period. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then even kind of like now becoming literate enough in anime to know like certain signifiers from certain eras. Like I I had a girlfriend that watched an egregious amount of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so like mm-hmm. a lot of the like the animation style of of the period and like the the score with like a lot of violins and mm-hmm. things is just like oh yeah this is like yeah. a late eighties early nineties yep. anime ta da um, but it's been a really a, a fun time um, kind of delving into something that's been in the zeitgeist for a while um, as far as like people going like you need to fucking watch this like top five anime is ever mm-hmm. yeah yes. up there with Akira for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. and but not having much more context than that and so like even seeing where like Pacific Rim was heavily yes. influenced by oh, this yeah and I think Guillermo set out to make a movie of Neon Genesis and then it became Pacific Rim. something sure else. yeah that yeah. wouldn't surprise me and you know just like the core element of like potential and and you know i mean obviously it's on like an individual basis in um the nerve program in uh in the show mm-hmm. um as mm-hmm. compared to like the the teaming up the partnership mm-hmm. kind of theme that runs through pacific rim which kind of sets it apart enough for me to make me not feel like it was just kind of co-opted mm-hmm. um mm-hmm and i yeah i just really like a lot of this like fucking miami vice ass like transitions and shit that are oh yeah i think they're really really cool you know it's just like a hard cut to like looking despondent and lying in a bed staring at a ceiling listening to old style headphones you Mm -hmm. know like i'm into that shit and like old stool like uh like readouts of of like various different like oh like atl wave incoming (laughs) you know like all that shit i'm just like god it's so cool and um so i'm having a really great time watching that and i'm not having a great time watching tiger king (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will say the thing that uh (laughs) turned me away or turned me off of it i guess or um from evangelion is is all the female yeah Specifically, them having to be like, she's gonna take a bath now. All right, she's yeah. getting into the bath, and she like bends over in front of him a bunch. I was, and that's I was like, I, I don't. 
You don't <laughs> I'm like, like into where I'm like into the anime where that doesn't need to be a thing. Like Attack on Titan doesn't have any of that. Or I really like My Hero Academia had, doesn't have like that in your face a whole bunch. Like that's I don't a know. that's a different I, era. This yeah, is a much different yeah. time. Yeah. Attack on Titan is yeah. also like a very sexless. Yeah, show right. In yes. general, and <laughs> like, I'm not saying My Hero Academia doesn't have any of that, but I just, it was like it's in Vangelion, It's like the second episode where it's like in sure. your face, and I'm like, oh well, I don't know, guys. You should read original <laughs> Dragon Ball. Oh yeah, that's, boy. It, even that's like still pretty tame. Yeah, a lot of there's uh, a, a lot of standards. I uh, I watched Evangelion when I was a kid. It was broadcasting on either tech tv late at night when they did anime blocks or on adult swim or mm-hmm. something you know something I, I hardly remember it other than like several key moments so i mm. i'm i should go make time and go back and watch it there is a thing that happens where the like last couple episodes of the show hideki anno the director and creator uh had a mental breakdown okay. and mm-hmm. he like went insane and he just kind of ended the show and like the show is just like it, it just breaks itself apart you could see him having a mental breakdown in the show oh, and dude. so then dude. later ah, he movie he went back and did a movie that is essentially and, the same shit that happens right? yeah. yeah it does the same shit but it's actually a cohesive well-done movie so you should watch the movie after you watch the show to see what it should have oh, been yeah. <laughs> yeah i plan on it for sure yeah and uh, he also directed one of my favorite Godzilla movies, Shin Godzilla, and it's very oh, he, he, oh that's the yeah guy. that's because yeah in the oh, the big the score is remarkably yeah. similar. Well, the yeah. big scene where Shin it's Godzilla insane. does the purple f- atomic yes. flame blast is the music from Evangelion. Dirt. So it's oh, cool. yeah, it's like that's the best scene of the movie too. So it's like it's it's a perfect so marriage. Good. It's like that guy was was made to make a like a disaster film. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I fucking love it. But yeah, that's 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 my two cents on on them animes before Obama goes and makes them illegal. <laughs> what? <laughs> I am getting into more. I'm trying to watch more of those. He's a producer at Netflix now. That means yes. that watch anime while you can because Obama's got a blood vendetta against the Japanese for <laughs> taking some them all down. Reason. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I read it in a chain email from my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No yaoi on my watch. <laughs> oh, this is me. It's you. you. Have... It's, it's you. Yeah, it's you. This is you. Have it is. See, it so, is you. so on Valentine's Day, uh, I took I took the next day after Valentine's Day off because I had to work on Valentine's Day, and my girlfriend worked the beginning of the day, so I was like, we might as well just take the next day off so we'll share a day together instead of like me coming home at eight o'clock and then doing valentine's day so we started by i like i made i made dinner and uh i i made popcorn and like we're gonna sit down and watch a movie and we decided we were gonna watch a horror movie so i started i by putting on i was like oh there's a horror movie put out by blumhouse on hulu that i wanted to watch it's called my valentine and it turns out that movie is a pile of dog shit that no one should watch. We got – it's got like a 4.0 rating on IMDb or less. Good. And it's like some series uh, that Hulu does with Blumhouse where they just make really bad straight-to-video movies and they just put them up as like an anthology series like Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not worth your time whatsoever. We got 20 <laughs> minutes in, looked at each other, and went, this is bad. We can't continue. So we had talked about – possibly watching you if we were interested in watching the you which is from i think originally lifetime 
And then it, yeah, it was a Lifetime original series that went up on Netflix, and then it became so huge, Netflix is essentially, like, co-opted it now, and they produced, uh, helped produce season two. But yeah, it was a show that aired on Lifetime, and had no notoriety because Lifetime is not a network known for any sense of good quality content. And then it hit Netflix and became this overnight sensation. So we've been talking about watching it, and uh, we were just like, you want to just watch you instead? And we're like, yeah, let's do that. So we put it on, we instantly got like the first episode, it was like almost an hour, and then after that they're like 42 to 49 minutes, because they aired on regular TV, and it is, it was a very good time. Oh, good. Uh, for, for what it is, which is a show that like, it's still got a lifetime budget, which is kind of, it's kind of, you see it in like exterior shots sometimes where they very clearly use the same establishing shots multiple times, but like they reverse it or they, they just cut it early or something. But yeah, the whole, the whole, they drop down. Yeah, right. Um, and the whole premise is kind of, oh God, what's his name? Is it Penn Batchley? I think is is like the main guy and he's, uh, he like runs a New York independent bookstore and he's also a stalker so it's he um like a girl yeah a girl comes into the shop and he narrates the whole show and she kind of like flirts with him a little bit and that ends with him like finding out where she lives and he ends up like saving her life and getting like her phone breaks and he takes the phone and like has all of her information on it and he's like setting it up so that he can date her it's like the whole show is him like stalking this girl progressively and progressively more and it's um, it was it's it's a very well made show, I think. Cause what what it ends up being is like he's intervening in this girl's life, and she keeps thinking like, oh, he's the perfect man, and it's because he keeps looking at all her messages and, and information and finding out what she actually wants and what's like hindering her life and stuff. Being and it's creep. like anyone that comes in, anyone that comes into contact with like that has bad intentions for her, like she's got a shitty ex boyfriend that like is a drug dealer, he like decides to remove from her life so it's got like a dexter aspect to it where like he tries to send the guy away and all sorts of crazy stuff happens but yeah it's like uh it's got it's got like a real dexter vibe to it where he is narrating the show and he is narrating it like he is talking to her the whole time almost and or to you the audience because he knows someone is is uh, paying attention and uh it's really interesting because it plays with this dynamic where like she is being manipulated by him and he is like absolutely being like a very scary dangerous man but then (laughs) almost every time he is intervening into her life it's for the better and her life ends up better because of it so it's like it Mm. plays with this real gray area where it's like how much is like real influence and how much you know what is you root for him in certain times and it's it's a really good moral gray area show like that where there's several episodes. We just started like powering through it. In, like three days, we got through the first season. And there's like times where you find out that like people she associates with are like actually bad people, like monsters of a person. And he like decides to take care of it in whatever way that he deems fit. And the person's like out of their life, and you're like afraid that she's gonna find out because like no, this is a good thing. <laughs> so you end up rooting for the bad. It makes you root for a bad stalker man. Yeah. So it, it's it's very interesting, very well done. Uh, I know Sammy, you said that Kenzie watched season two and did not like it whatsoever, and yes, that's kind of really why liked... we just put the brakes on it. 
Yeah, well, she really liked season one. She because uh-huh. she just like you had heard out all these great like everyone uh-huh. was watching it, so she watched. She like binged through it too, and then she yeah. was really excited for season two. Binged through that one and was like, "It's not the same show. Yeah. <laughs> it's not." <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah, we. I I kind of knew what was gonna happen towards the last episode or two because the marketing that Netflix put out for season two involved kind of revealing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's not like the ending of season one came as a surprise, but I was like, Oh, are they setting up to do like this exact same premise again? And that kind of seems like what season two is. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I want to see that. It was, a, <laughs> it's a really engaging, like 10 to 12 episode series. That I don't know. It stands very well on its own. I yeah, see, don't I think... know if I'm going to watch season two until if season three comes out. Cause it, they said season three is coming out next year. If it is and it's good, I will mm. watch season two, but I don't know at this point if I want to ruin the good experience I had with a mediocre one. Right. I think what it's, Kenzie it's really didn't like. It's kind of like how I'm debating, uh, like introducing my parents to Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, yeah. uh-huh. I have my Chromecast set up and it's just like, I don't know if I will want to do that to them. But like maybe I'll <laughs> just like break ending. my phone after like season six. And just be like, <laughs> ah. I never did see the last shit. season. So see, that's still pure see? for me. <laughs> it's enshrined in your memory as a mediocre end. Well, it's like at this of a point, really bad one. We, my girlfriend and I, watched seasons one through three because I owned them, and then we got to season four, and I was gonna have to like stream it instead of like putting in the Blu-rays that I owed, and I was like, do I really want to watch season four? <laughs> and she, she already kind of knew all the stuff that happened in it, so I was like, right. just let it do go. We, she, yep. Yeah, she knew all the the spoilers from the last season. I don't. She knows stuff I don't even know, and I haven't it's cared a, to look yeah, up. It's a paper <laughs> like, boat, and it's already over the horizon. It's like line. at this it's point, yep. no one's talking I about want, it anymore. It's gone. Like at this point, I want to watch it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I know that most likely mm-hmm. I am not going to enjoy it, and I like. Do I want to spend all the time to get back there just to be let down? Right. So I might as well just like let it go. But I, there is a thing right now that. Westworld has introduced a new park that is possibly like a fantasy world, and it sounds uh. like they might be introducing mm-hmm. like wife, uh, Weiss and Benioff. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you were just doing there, TJ. But... <laughs> I never watched season two of Westworld, so it's very confusing. It's me neither. I I thought season two was overly complicated, but good. The problem that season two of Westworld has is that season one of Westworld uh, got figured out by Reddit and uh, internet critics within the first four episodes of what the mystery was, of what all the mysteries were. And then for season two, they were like, oh, no, they have to keep guessing this whole time. So they like artificially create more and more like confounding (laughs) mysteries for you to solve. You can't figure it out. (laughs) I literally had to listen to the a decoding westworld podcast, podcast. Yes. yeah you told yeah, us about cause that it, yeah yeah because they were uh joanna robinson who was on that podcast is like she watched the first four episodes and in those four episodes with the help of like the reddit community she was able to predict what the rest of that season was what all of it was and so i was like when season two started i was like all right if anyone's gonna know what's fucking happening here it's her <laughs> right and so she starts and she's got like extensive notes like the whole season of westworld 2 is like Two weeks ago, this happened. One week ago, this happened. Three days ago, this happened. Mm-hmm. And it just goes in between, like, each timeline. Just just to be confusing. So I watched, we watched, like, the first three episodes. And I, like, I remember being like, oh, okay, you know. And then I went to go think about it. It's like, I have no idea what the fuck happened. And then I, lis- I start <laughs> listening to the, the, the podcast about season two from Decoding Westworld. 
and she's got the timeline set up of like this happened here and this happened here that you saw in the first hour here's what happened and it's like fuck i don't remember any of this so yeah. i ended up i ended up enjoying the show but i literally had to listen to a companion podcast to figure out what the fuck was happening <laughs> yikes so we'll see. Aaron Paul is in season three now. And, yeah, that's uh, the only thing I was like, I need to get to season three just for Aaron Paul. But I but I, yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. But it's just like, I really hope they worked out that writing because no one's <laughs> I, I sent a message to the group chat a couple days ago where fucking I saw someone on Twitter just like tweet out a spoiler about news. What's happening with Westworld? It's like no one is fucking talking about Westworld right now. <laughs> Other things are happening in this world. Why are we spoiling what happens? <laughs> Don't do that to me. This is not a cultural conversation. <laughs> Nothing is happening. Let it exist for like three more weeks so I can start it. <laughs> yeah, that was my tangent about you, season one. There you go. <laughs> right. Overall, it's good. Who knows if season two is any good? I don't know if I know. <laughs> Let's see what we're going to talk Dude, it's me. About. I still have four Astra. things to talk about. Hopefully it hits me a couple Astra. times. Ad Astra. So have any of you seen this? No. Nah, no. No. See, and I, because it got what, like one nomination for an Oscar? So Probably I was like did. trying no. to get through all those way oh. back when the Oscars were, however long that was. And I didn't watch it before the Oscars happened, but I was like, I still want to watch it. So I ended up, I think I rent, I think I got it through Redbox, through a free Redbox or whatever. And I was actually like really surprised. And I was trying to narrow it down because I've watched a ton of things. I was like, I want to talk about Ad Astra to try to tell you guys that you should watch it. Because <laughs> I really, I, I was. A, because the trailer made it seem, and again, I always go to the trailers because I watch all the trailers, but made it seem like it was much more of a like drama, like sad movie than like a space mm-hmm. movie. But it mm-hmm. turns out to, it like goes through, like there is a part that is straight up a horror movie where they're like going to a destination and this like there's a distress signal from one of the, the spaceships and they're like, let's go check it out. And it like very quickly is like a horror movie for like 20 minutes and it's like crazy. And then like... And then the, like, reveal of what his dad was trying to do is, like, crazy, and then him trying to, like, fight through it. And, like, the the thing that's kind of tough is, like, the main character, who's uh, Brad Astra, uh, Brad Pitt. um, (laughs) He, like, (laughs) is very, (laughs) he's very military guy. Like, he shows no emotion. And, like, before they're allowed to go on any missions, they have to take a test to make sure that they're, like, in the right mindset or, like, sane to go. But he's like so good at like hiding his emotions and taking those tests so even though he's like not in the right mindset he like can pass those tests to still go anyway mm-hmm. so he's like, like gosling and blade runner right yeah that kind of thing where it's like yeah he can <laughs> pass those like emotion tests even though he's not he has daddy issues and he's like very upset and like not in the right mindset so that like starts to build up too which is like crazy like how is he still allowed to do these things because he can just pass that pass that test if, so that if, was cool. if not having daddy issues is like one of the bars, to, <laughs> right? Like no one would be able to be in the military. <laughs> then that'd be a very small pool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, I, I was very Maybe pleasantly surprised beauty. with it. I just thought for sure because there's like action-packed stuff. Like there's like a shootout car chase scene on the moon, which is like wow. crazy. What? And there's like yeah, people just dying left and right. It's in. It's, is it it's, more intense than Moonraker? Uh, uh. <laughs> it's hard to be faster. They go a little bit Actually, faster yeah, than in Moonraker. Actually, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever is the little faster. <laughs> in the fucking desert in Vegas, right? Diamonds Are Forever? That's where there's the Moonraker yeah. chase. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Oh yeah, because there's a fucking Gollum bond when he's in his little sticky suit. <laughs> he pops his little head up. Going around like golf carts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. God, I almost wish that we could release all of those archived episodes because I went back and listened to the View to a Kill one and I was fucking rolling. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. We, I mean, we, had, we, we had a good time. Keep, we, keep releasing we can them. finish it out. We can finish out the series eventually. <laughs> That'd be great. I think a bunch yeah, of them are on Hulu. It was just cool. And, like, the, the they have, like, a city on the moon, which they barely even spent any time at. But I was like, that could be a whole movie in itself because mm. they get attacked by, like, pirates from on the moon because the people, like, are trying to do illegal things on the moon. I was like, that's crazy. And then See, like, that's only, like, part expands. of the movie. There was just – there was a lot more to the movie than I realized there was. And I, I highly recommend you guys check it out just because I, I – I knew nothing about it other than, like – the trailer of Brad Pitt kind of crying while also being in space. And right, yeah. Like, it seemed like it was that. very just like an like an emotional like drama like uh-huh. just your feelings. Mm-hmm. I was. Movie, I but... heard a lot of good things about it, and then it just kind of dropped out, and uh-huh. I I just lost my chance to see it in theaters. And I was like, I really do want to pick it up. It sounds really good. Yeah, I I know I tweeted about it, but I was like, first it was uh-huh. Sad Astra, then Dad Astra, but all along <laughs> it was Brad Astra. <laughs> so oh. that's my review of Ad Astra. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I, love, I love you, Sammy. Well, there you go. You, <sighs> guys, you guys should watch it. It's good. And I'm sure exasperated, say. <laughs> it's probably free somewhere <laughs> at this point. No? Maybe? Maybe. I think it might be on Hulu. might so. be on Hulu. Oh, I shit, if I it is, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I, I recommend it. You should watch it. All right. Let's spin that wheel. Spinning it. We're getting down to it. Spin that wheel. You're going to spin Oh, oh, here it is. Oh, TJ and I get to talk about a bad time. And then all the rest is me. It all ended with me at the end. Oh, no, Andy's still on there. Oh, yeah, Andy's still on there. Well, and I can. Mm. I saw Godzilla, and I imagine Raymond did too. So we can. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it the day you've it came all, out. You've all seen, <laughs> oh, so yeah, seen some of these movies, or all of these movies. Yeah. So. But we're deflecting because we don't want to talk about Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. This is all over Twitter right now. It's it's yes. yeah, I want to watch it really bad. Me and, me and Raymond had a brief exchange about it. Yeah, I uh, I have I before starting, I finished episode four. There are seven episodes. Oh, fuck. It is a documentary limited series on netflix mm-hmm. uh, uh and boy uh what's it about it's good it's a oh uh, fuck okay. tj you want to take it <laughs> yeah i'll take the lead on the, the the context part so i have known about joe exotic for years now yeah me too um, yeah. Mm. yeah i mainly is like an internet phenomenon uh-huh. uh i'm a big fan of last podcast on the left and Ben Kissel and Henry Zabrowski are both very big uh, Joe Exotic fans. They are not convinced of his guilt, his, his, his presumed guilt, because he was proven guilty in a court of law. Um, so Joe Exotic <laughs> ran for governor of Oklahoma in, like, uh, 20, 2008 or 2010 or something like that. Uh, yeah, and, uh, John Oliver call it, uh, covered it on Last Week Tonight at one point to make, like, a joke out of it, so I got that out there. Oh, Boy. yes. And so he is known generally for being uh, gay as a day is long and owning a bunch of tigers. He, is he owns the... over like 200 plus over tigers. Over 200 what? tigers yeah. at this place. Oh, and he okay. breeds them and he does the whole thing. It's basically a fucking like side roadside zoo in Oklahoma yeah. mm-hmm. that has like some of the biggest concentration of live tigers on the planet. It's yeah. fucking absurd. And so it's all about, Jesus. like, the, the exotic animal trade. That's how the documentary starts. The documentarian was just trying to cover the exotic right. animal trade. It took him five years to make this documentary because I'm assuming because every time... Because the fucking thickens. Every time <laughs> you introduce a new 
person. They are their own fascinating documentary. Holy shit! Yeah, their own like, like, but like in the way that it's like, like watching like an anaconda eat something is fascinating. Yes. like it's uh-huh. fucking disgusting. All these it's people awful. are yeah. repugnant. Ugh. Like, because it starts off where like at first it's like an anaconda or something or what, yeah. and it's fucking enormous, and you're like, whoa, neat. You're in Florida. Maybe an anaconda would thrive there. Um, but the guy's like, I got a, I got a snow leopard, and he's like. Excuse me? And he's like, yeah, I got a snow leopard in the back of my fucking van. And he's like, show me. And so he shows in the back of a fucking van, in the middle of the Florida summer, is a fucking snow leopard. Oh, no. Like, like one of the rarest cats on the planet that is completely threatened. And it's in the back of a van in fucking Florida. (laughs) And, and it's so, like having a real rough time. You can whoa. see it's like really like struggling. Well, and the guy asks, he's yeah. like, he he's like, do these need to be like refrigerated? And <laughs> he's like, oh no, if they're born in the in the heat, they're acclimatized. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my god! So that's not even the people that the documentary is about. about. No, like it's it's like they're tangentially <laughs> relevant to the rest of the thing because that's when he gets introduced to Joe Exotic, who sold the guy the snow leopard. Who sold yeah. the guy the snow leopard? And so he runs this park in Oklahoma or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's basically got this like fucking like rogues gallery. Of of assholes that he has running <laughs> this fucking tiger park, including somebody who got their arm ripped off yeah. while working there and went back to work it's within the not week. even a week yeah, yeah not even a week later got their arm they had the choice between two years of rehabilitative surgery or amputating the arm and they said I want to amputate the arm so I can get back to work <coughs> oh my god and, oh my god and that's one guy has no legs yeah one again from like not paying attention to doctor's orders <laughs> and continuing to work at this tiger park <laughs> Joe Exotic has two husbands <laughs> He, two oh husbands? My, oh my god! He's got two no, husbands? No, 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 fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk about this at a level that is appropriate for recording. Fuck. <laughs> so, so this is, again, you're just getting generally introduced to, like, people that look like they're fucking, like, like roadies for Motorhead. Mm-hmm. And... And it gets to like his husband, who again looks like a like a dude from fucking Sons of Anarchy, uh-huh. and and again like has like more like more fewer teeth and sense, and he's a <laughs> dumb man, and like it's 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 rough. So you get introduced to this because Joe Exotic has like this broadcast that he would be doing or whatever, and so you just see this fresh-faced nineteen-year-old. Oh boy. my gosh. <laughs> who is there for some fucking reason from, from California Southern, Cali- Southern California somehow made his way to bumfuck Oklahoma where he's hanging out with blonde mullet Joe Exotic and his tiger park <laughs> and and eventually the three of them like him sons of anarchy husband and this boy all get a three-way married in a ceremony. Oh. Later. And it, that's not the weirdest right. thing that I've encountered watching this fucking documentary. No. I'm losing my mind. It's like every si- every character they introduce, like every, every, it's like every time the Ugh. documentary guy goes to get like background info on something else about Joe Exotic, he meets someone else in like the business and that guy is then like their own subject of like what the fuck is happening with this guy. Yes. 
Oh, or woman. Doctor guy. The yeah, doctor. Doctor Bogrovan. Bogrovan or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I met so many fucking assholes like this in Santa uh-huh. Fe that like that. Will, oh man, he's <laughs> ostensibly like running like a cult. A cult. You know, they're working like eighteen-hour days. It's all these women, like like fucking like mail-order brides that he's bringing in to work with these tigers. And like dress all sexy and whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, it's it. His animals are the ones that are in like Ace Ventura yeah. and mm. and all that shit. He's yeah, he's you know. the guy who gets all the the animals that go into movies. Mm. Absolutely, and and he's like running like a corral of women that are literally like sleeping in a horse stables so that they can get the prime opportunity of working eighteen hours seven days a week with fucking right. tigers. <laughs> and there's also like a woman who runs a cat rescue in Florida and she becomes like the antagonist yes. this, but also this, yes she also possibly murdered her ex-husband so okay, possibly <laughs> is a really 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 what is this really show? really generous term i think she totally fucking killed that guy oh my so God. it's oh, yeah, like the plot is thickens Jesus. everywhere it, you go it's it's distressing and awful to watch <laughs> especially like after the first episode i tweeted about it between me and my exchange with tj where i watched the first episode and i i'm a big animal rights kind of like not extreme but like i love animals and i tigers are one of my favorite animals big cats in general and watching this is just so miserable because like even when they're doing it what they think is right and they're nice to the animals it is still like so cruel (laughs) we're like any anytime they try and paint joe exotic as like Uh a compassionate person Uh there's the underlying to or this carol person or whatever Uh it's just like with the big cat sanctuary yeah it's just like they are still exploiting people for a bottom line where right. like you know they were talking about like the average cost of feeding a tiger it thousands was like of dollars some, yeah it's like a thousand dollars a week or something to feed ten a tiger. like ten thousand dollars every like a, seventy a to a hundred thousand tiger well like yeah yeah per tiger it's like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars and he's just like yeah Damn. i can feed these tigers for about two hundred dollars because they're getting reject meat from walmart <laughs> from walmart that they're just throwing <laughs> expired every, meat to yeah. them or like every time you go up to buy meat at Walmart and your car declines and they got to take it back, they can't put it back on the shelf. It's been out of the refrigeration stage. So I buy it and then like my workers will take it. They'll take like the prime cuts and then we give the rest of the tigers and everybody's happy. It's like, what the fuck am I watching? What exactly so am I watching? I feel like this show is like made for Kenzie except for the uh-huh. animal abuse thing. So yeah. do you well, it's think like, she would oh, be able to watch right. it or is it too Probably cuz you don't see too many like No. It, like you don't see too many cruel things happen to the animals. It's more just like the depressing reality that they live in is uh, the sad I part. Mean, yeah. yeah, like I yeah. have a rough time part. watching that shit because like I I know like it's a popular thing like I know my sister has like a picture with a lion cub or something sure. from fucking Mexico. But yeah, it's like literally like a newborn tiger cub that can't even open its eyes. It's just being like shoved around into people's faces with a Polaroid going mm-hmm. like, all right, get grandma in there. All right, all right, $12. All right. Yeah. You know, like what the fuck is going on? It's like I, I, in my exchange with TJ, I was like, I watched the first episode. And I felt awful the whole time. But this like and I knew about Joe Exotic. So it's like I went in knowing like the misery I was going to be in. Mm-hmm. But it's just so it's such an incredibly fascinating train wreck. That like I took, I got up and my girlfriend is working from home, so I came into her office and I was like, I had a very bad time just now, and I like kind of told her the basics yes. of it, and I spent 20 minutes just kind of decompressing, 
and then like the animal I am, I went back and I hit play on the second episode, and I have now, <laughs> no, yeah, I have now two thirds of the way yeah. through it, and I, it's miserable for me. But it is so like the second episode, second or third episode, is just entire, almost entirely focused around the conspiracy that Carol, who runs like a big cat sanctuary, and like is constantly antagonizing all the other main players into like stop having their cats, possibly murdered her second husband definitely <laughs> murdered her fucking and husband. like so it's like that episode i'm like okay i can get into this and then like the next episode kicks in and it's not about that anymore instead it's about how miserable all these animals are to like Ugh. fuck <laughs> yeah it's, it's it they like it, tonally it's tough for me sometimes because yeah. they almost try and have like a whimsy shits creek yeah. like small town security kind of right. feel for like mm-hmm. these guys and it's like these people are actively exploiting and abusing animals right it, like, it, it, pretty much across the board but I, I don't know doing if it's, that then there's scummy fucking people right like, i don't know if it's like it, you know it, it almost feels maybe sometimes it's intentional where like you get back-to-back clips of them being like like the episode i just saw is like joe exotic's recording studio burns down in a like a sabotaged arson and mm-hmm. alligators were in there and he's like like so he had like seven or ten like oh no crocodiles is what it is they all burned up in a fire Ugh. and he's like He's like on like the internet, being like, "Fun my fund me. This is a tragic thing that happened. Like this needs to like be righted. Please donate to me so I can like reset all this back up. The person who did this needs to be like prosecuted to the fullest extent." And then like it backs to back that with like a clip of him, like essentially getting told he's gonna be the one who sets fire to his own studio. <laughs> so yeah. like uh, potentially he yeah. did it himself, and it goes back to back with that. So. I, they do that several times where it shows like this compassionate thing happening, or like this this like all small town folksy thing, and then like the cutthroat nature of what's actually happening Jeez. right next to it. So yeah, like, yeah there's rumors I agree. Like sometimes that, it is that, they, like that Bhagavan guy. There was like yeah. rumors that like once a tiger cub has outlived its usefulness, mm-hmm. outlived its them. profitability yeah. as a cub, that he fucking gets rid of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, that's like vicious rumor, and they're all fucking snakes, and they all talk yeah. shit about each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough, be- like, because Carol will like be like, "Oh, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to hear Joe's perspective on on everything that's happened all these years because I haven't really given much thought to him. It's just like, what a crock of shit! You've filed several lawsuits against him. <laughs> you know, like rallied all of her internet troops to like uh, email malls to say like, don't let Joe bring his tiger exhibition thing here because it's exploitative of animals. Mm-hmm. And then like not like an episode later it's just like oh here's the instructional video that her and her second husband that she murdered uh put out about like how great it is to own exotic pets uh-huh. and how there's all these stigmas against it in the public eye but oh if you get the cub away from its mom early enough they make great pets and it's like <laughs> it's your voice on the fucking video and you're pandering this to people <laughs> to try and make money right and everybody and... everybody in this documentary is a piece of shit yeah, <laughs> yeah every they're all engaging characters because they're all being so incredibly two-faced within the own like span of recording it's all on camera and that's that's the fascinating part of it is this guy got so much footage I think my favorite char- character is the guy who was like the the reality show TV producer who was oh, an actual fuck. guy. He's funny. Because yeah, he like funny. he was the guy who worked on like network news, and he's trying to like he wants to do a reality show, and he goes to Joe Exotic and is like, "I can make your internet 
shit broadcast show like a real reality show mm. and that guy's got like the best fucking stories he's best, and he's yeah. like he's like so i mean he's complicit in a he's, lot of stuff in some ways but he's also genetically fucking scummy yeah yeah he's yeah. He, yeah that's the thing he has no no qualms about like this is gonna make great fucking tv that's why i kept shooting <laughs> exactly <laughs> So yeah, it's a bad not wrong. it's a bad yeah. time, but it's also really engaging. It's mm-hmm. like the worst kind of fucking like car crash kind of documentary. Right. Uh, there was a there was a Netflix documentary that came out called Don't Fuck with Cats. Did you guys see that? I no. watched that too. No, yeah. I, I intentionally it. avoided it at all. I was costs. I saw it on Reddit that like a lot of people were like, This is really good, but really tough to stomach. And it's I really tough to watch. I intentionally was like you know, I love mysteries and people f- like dis- like solving crimes. I cannot not really do it. it. I could not do it. I knew what like even though like they censor videos, I could I like I knew I was gonna have a not rough enough. time, yeah. right? And so it's like getting into this. I'm like, this is it's it's not that level, I don't think, but it's just so incredibly miserable of a mm. time. Mm. But everyone is so engaging that you are you are there for the ride. <laughs> Say, but nice. there's so many different facets to it. But yeah, it is a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> My our our friend Corey described it to me uh, about 20 minutes ago as a roller coaster that only goes downhill. <laughs> yeah, and it goes go. faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See if I can get Ken right, to watch real. it. So that's Tiger King. Tiger King. <laughs> and you guys haven't even finished it. No, no. I have not. No. I don't know. I, don't know. Oh. Oh, I can imagine. I, don't, I just don't know. <laughs> Sanic. Oh, Sanic. Hey. <laughs> oh, Andy's fourth horror movie to talk about. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that was actually finally released in the, th- right. in the theaters. Yeah. Because uh, as we all remember back in like the fever dream that was that one week in July where both the Cats trailer and the Sonic trailer <laughs> came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they were both CGI nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, eventually uh, bullied the studio enough to say, oh, okay, we'll give the animators enough time to not make a horrifying, horrifying uh, nightmare fuel uh-huh. movie. Which they didn't do and for Cats, which <laughs> they should have. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do it for Cats because I, appre- I appreciate the gift that was right. given. Um, but Sonic, I think absolutely needed to be redone because the new design looks really yeah. good. Like well, it's, it's insane, it's really right? Cute. Because it's like the the second the trailer came out, people could instantly photoshop it to look more correct. There was like mm-hmm. three or four very quick things people on the internet could do with still images of it that made it look correct. So it's like very clearly that was like a studio thing and not like the animators mm-hmm. and then they had to work like a fucking year in, in like mm-hmm. six months worth of time to make it the way it should have been the whole time, which is insane. Yeah. Who? Yeah. It's like the Ninja Turtles design. Where it's like, who? Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles production, where it's like, what the fuck is this? Gotta no one make wants it a look realistic more animal. Realistic. And it's and like, I know that... people could fix that in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy and is that? I know that, you that know? The, it also was like, it went through like eight different scripts. Yes. And all the. All the writers were like different scripts, and I'm just like that Pokemon final, one, yeah. Like about a month before filming is when they finally like changed completely pivoted to a completely different script. Fuck, really? So, wow. yeah, and but like James Marsden and Jim Carrey and all those mm. guys, like they were all signed on, I remember that, like, yeah, for like years. And so, um, Jesus. this is what I this is what I will say about Sonic, uh, it was it was fine, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. 
and it wasn't like great but it was enjoyable mm-hmm. it felt like a movie that should have been made in 1996 it sure. seemed I like, like it from i think like yeah. the vibe they were kind of going for yeah uh-huh which i feel kind of works for the movie it seems like um, that's what the era jim carrey is going for for what i've seen which like yes. i think a lot of people are really happy to see that mm. and he is absolutely like the best part of the movie uh-huh. because he is he's full-blown villain and when you let jim carrey go full-blown villain it's fun to watch uh-huh. and uh so i really really liked jim carrey's aspect of it it really was like oh yes i missed this mm-hmm. <laughs> less sad stuff please uh <laughs> i cannot say... believe i'm sorry i cannot believe the movie is like it takes like there's a lot of it that takes place in a car right <laughs> yeah it's it, uh, so sonic the hedgehog what... the fastest fucking character that's what he's known for being <laughs> it's a is it a car <laughs> Yeah. Well, he likes he hurts Racing his foot, games. so he can't run, uh, and that's the whole thing. It's like he can go everywhere. Well, no, I thought it was he... I thought it was because he didn't know how to get to San Francisco. He doesn't. Yeah, that's the other. Yeah, thing. <laughs> someone that's has to drive problem. him there because he doesn't know how to get there. He can't look at a map. He doesn't know how he to has get to the, drive the there. The character <laughs> built solely on being a speed character. <laughs> the, the whole thing is you go fast. His tagline is gotta go fast. And instead, he's in a fucking car with speed limits. It's a road trip movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck. Well, I mean, Sorry, it's a, Andy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good vehicle to introduce. And like, you, you know, in screenwriting, you talk about creating need, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that's what he does. And it, it created the need for Sonichu to come <laughs> to the aid. Oh, yes, his brother. <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of like fun little references to the original game. Oh, and I, I thought like... you were gonna say there was a reference to Sonic and I was gonna lose my <laughs> fucking too. mind if they snuck some one of those. No. In. Please tell me there's a Chili Dogs reference. That's the Sonic. I, oh yes. Oh yeah. And and that's I'm glad that that's the Sonic that they're referencing. Uh-huh. It's not like the newer game, yeah. like Sonic Adventure Two onward. Uh-huh. It's they're referencing hard like original fans uh-huh. of original and then Sonic. olive garden and i'm getting okay. there <laughs> <laughs> because the movie is is like okay this is definitely the vibe they're going for and then it will grind to a halt and make a very weird out of place joke um there is several like jokes about hillary's emails in the middle of this like children's oh, movie weird <laughs> yeah, it was very weird and felt out of place. And we were just like, this is weird. And then the government wants to thank James Marsden for helping helping them stop and keep Jim Carrey uh, a secret. And so they offer him the greatest uh, the greatest reward in all of the land. What's that? The never-ending pasta pass from Olive Garden. <laughs> what the fuck? That is appropriate. It's. I mean, they're and not every, wrong. And, <laughs> and every character inside the movie acts as if, like, holy shit, this is the golden <laughs> ticket. Like, it He's just done it. Unapolog- it just unapologetically becomes a commercial for Olive Garden. It's that's fucking awesome because that that reeks <laughs> that reeks of so someone much- going fuck it. Fuck it! Yep, yep. You know what? Then you know what he wins at the end? A pasta yeah. pass. That's how we're gonna get the product placement. I don't know. Fuck you! Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. 
That, right? like, that feels That's like a frustrated like note that got left in funny. an email and then got sent off anyway with immediate regret. And they were like, oh, no, that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 we'll fix this in the next pass. And they were like, the next oh. pass. The fact, yeah, it's, it's already shit. They did not have him go to the fast food restaurant Sonic, where they also serve chili dogs, is insane to me. Because <laughs> they could have gotten it all done in one yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. Gotta add gravitas. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. God so uh, that was Sonic. It was. It was. It was fine. Yeah. At the end of the movie, does set up for a sequel, and uh, I'm trash, and I'd probably go watch it. <laughs> yeah, Isn't there also a reference to like a Mushroom Land that they're like Mario might show up? Yes. So like, it's all like yeah, boy. his rings can take you to different dimensions. That's how uh, he got to Earth, basically. Good. And if he gets discovered, he's gonna jump into another dimension that's a, a world full of mushrooms and he desperately doesn't want to go there because who wants to live in a world full of mushrooms uh-huh. and so it's kind of like a slight dig at mario yeah. which is nice but like <laughs> let's be honest if if it comes down to it mario is going to curb stop sonic <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> that's all i want yeah but do they go cgi mario route or do they bring back a the the original Mario Bros. Uh, John Lucas, uh, Lalo, whatever, whatever, <laughs> oh, Bob Hoskins, drunk, drunk yeah. man, yeah, yeah, Bob yeah. Hoskins. <laughs> I mean, they are working on a uh, movie. Uh, Illumination Studios is doing it, so mm-hmm. it's all you know, like Minions, It's all CG, unfortunately. Right? Yeah. Well, fucking Dennis Hopper yes, can't he... reprise his role as King Koopa, <laughs> right? No, I don't. Monkey, monkey. <laughs> God, fucking spin the wheel i'm losing my mind <laughs> yeah. well which th- three things of mine are we gonna talk about <laughs> hey uh, we can contribute I'm... to godzilla yeah i've seen sure all can. three of these so well and this one looks like ready player one slash ramada so Same you wanted to talk about the books i think yeah that was the main thing was oh. i started his, uh what's his name uh, ernest, er- klein. ernest klein yeah that's it thanks um and I was I started his second book, which is Armada, and I was like, this made me want to go back to Ready Player One, the movie. Mistake. Um, because when I first <laughs> when I saw Ready Player One in theaters, it had been too soon since I've read the book, and they shit uh, on the book the entire time. Yeah, um, it's nothing weird. like the book. And Godzilla, of all things. Yeah, they shit on Godzilla. They shit and on the Iron, Iron Giant. Gilla. They shit on <laughs> all of it. Um, but I was like, I'll watch just it again because it's, it's been longer now since the... And I, I had a fun mm-hmm. time with it. It's very much just a family movie that has some cool references in it. But other than that, it's it's fine. I mean, the Shining part when I, is the best part of that movie. The yeah, Shining, Shining is, is cool. Pretty cool. When I saw that movie, the entire time, I just I felt like, huh, that's fun. Right. And then like <laughs> five minutes after the movie, I was like, I don't think I could tell you anything about right. that. I don't that's why I, I wanted to go to it again. So I was like, I don't remember this movie. <laughs> it's not memorable. Yeah, that's, the... that's what the conversation I always have about uh, Avatar. I'm like, oh, yeah. can you yeah. name one character? Can you... <laughs> Jake Sully. Jake Sully, yeah. Can you... Okay. All right. Can, uh, how about, uh, how about a quote? Sully. Stand out, stand, stand out quote. I see you. Unobtainium. Scown. So Andy's, just, Andy's a super fan. They call him a scown. That means idiot. Mm-hmm. Good. The character's name is Sigourney. <laughs> I'm fairly certain about that. But if you guys haven't read the Ready Player One book, I read that a while ago. It's awesome. It's really cool. Um, I have it. It's yeah. It's, it, I really liked it. So that was like, I'll read Armada, Armada, because I have this time off um, when I'm not doing school meetings and stuff to just be reading more. Mm-hmm. So I read Armada and. It just blows me away how much nerdy stuff this guy's this guy knows and is able to like fit into a book. Like mm. and at the same time I'm like, but I also get every single reference, so what does that mean right. for me? <laughs> but mm. it is just great cuz he's like I I 
uh, been using Instagram and I posted some of my favorite ones of how he does a Leroy Jenkins reference. And then he mm. talks about Duel of Fates. He sings Duel of Fates in his head while he's playing this video game. <laughs> and I'm like, just the amount of stuff he just throws in there just because he knows it and can put it in there is just, it's awesome. Mm. It's so much fun to read. Um, but the, the Armada is, his dad has the conspiracy theory that all video games were made to prepare us for an alien invasion for us to fight aliens. Oh. And then his dad, like, tragically dies. And then it turns out that that is the case. <laughs> that he was right. they made. Oh, it's an Ender's game. Yeah, so it, it, it and of course, like it's referencing this Ender's game, game like the it. entire time. It's like uh, this is just like Ender's game, like that kind of stuff, because it's happens. Wow, in, happens in 2017. So they already know all these things that have happened, and they reference all these things. But then it, it ends up uh-huh. happening anyway. So it kind of, it's pretty like obvious what the beats are going to be, the storyline kind of. Uh-huh. But just how well he writes it and how fun it is. Like it's he plays his dad's like 80s playlist when he's like playing the video game and. It's so it's a lot of video games, but then fighting aliens, kind of a kind of a thing, which I huh. I thought it was pretty cool, and it had some cool like twists in it and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed yeah. it. I don't know if they'll make a movie of it because I feel like it would be too Ready Player One ish if they did another movie because it is yeah. a lot of video game references throughout. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, like I get not to not to shit on a book I haven't read, but um, I like Do that's it. that's okay. Um, <laughs> No, like in in some circles on online in discussions talking about the movie and the book mm-hmm. um it, there's there's this concept of you know you're you're only as as good as you steal from yeah yeah you know, like and there's is a discipline in being evocative of something without just saying literally like duel the fates plays right oh yeah that's because like at least that's when like when i was doing my screenwriting stuff or whatever i would use placeholders like that Mm -hmm. like i you know like instead of an actual character i would put like samuel l jackson does this you know like Uh you know like whatever and in these literally samuel l jackson can just do that right and so like (laughs) you know like so it, it takes a lot of the work away of creating a character that's evocative of Samuel L. Jackson rather than just saying Samuel L. Jackson does this. Yeah. You know, like, and I think, it, again, yeah, I think so they do a way better. Feels lazy to some people. At least yeah, for I Ready Player One, it's, it's really the references while the story is very unique, I feel, in Ready Player One. Uh-huh. Like, because it's its own, un- he makes up the whole universe. The Oasis thing is all made Around up. Around it. And, but it's just all these things that people that it's if it really happened, people would of course use Batman and play as people from Mortal Kombat if they could. But then the story itself is still like really cool and really fun. I would probably say I would agree with you more with Armada being very much just a a hodgepodge of things that have already happened, especially because he just uh-huh. spends the whole time referencing those things, like like Ender's Game. Like this is literally Ender's Game, yeah. but also. It literally is Ender's game. <laughs> like, well, and, so. and you compare that to something like Guardians, where like that's using nostalgia, weaponized nostalgia in, in some ways, you know. Right. But like a lot of the songs are tied to metaphors, are like, or really tied to Quill as a character, mm. or, and then eventually to the group, you know. Mm. And so like, yeah, you look at that kind of referential power and. And especially to an audience that probably isn't super literate in fucking yacht rock, you know, like, <laughs> uh-huh. like that's it's not gonna feel like, you know, when they put fucking "We Will Rock You" in something or right. like whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever sting of like immigrant song, you, oh. you know, like you're you're don't you shit on that, like, <laughs> don't oh, you oh, shit oh, on oh, that. No, 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 Thor three is great. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But you're expecting like some fucking cool snowmobile chase to happen immediately. Right, and right, right, right. You're primed for that. 
as opposed to something like Guardians, where it's just like, yeah, you listen to a lot of fucking. What? The second one is like mainly like what, like Brookside Avenue or something like that. It's it's a lot of more sad music, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like deeper cuts. Yeah, you know, and and so uh, yeah, as far as like reference in as as a story vehicle, mm-hmm. like a lot of the time, I I do feel unless there's like a really like prescient need for a symbol or like that comes up again over and over again, mm-hmm. it does just feel like kind of more like a teenage fantasy thing, which again is probably part of the appeal for a lot of people. Is right, really uh-huh. like, yeah, referencing like, to reference. Basic- yeah, like it, this is what it looked like in my head when I was smashing my GI Joe and Darth Vader or whatever. Like <laughs> right. this is uh, now, this is now that put on a screen or in a book, mm-hmm. you know. So I I can understand the appeal, but I can also understand how it wouldn't appeal to me. Right. <laughs> in, in some ways, because because member berries fucking bug the shit out of me sometimes. Oh yeah, I, and that's one hundred percent what his books are and the movies are <laughs> just. Remember this? Yeah, the movie the movie's a little bit worse than the book. Yes. I think. Yeah. I, just again, because I think the, they have to. They they age up all of the references to be 90s instead of 80s right. for most things, and so it's like that's not the source material. It's just like the source material, which is going the source material is going. Hey, remember this thing? So it's going. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember this thing that's like this thing? Right, because <laughs> so like, like a the Shining is not even. in the book at all. Like they they right. he does a different. Mm-hmm. It's a different movie that he has to go through or whatever. And it's uh-huh. just, I mean, yeah, again, yeah, I've already said, but the book I think it is could stand on its own being its own thing but then it's just because uh-huh. of the world that it's put in that it has those references well the movie is not like that <laughs> well and like, like the the nostalgia that it pines for uh, as far as 80s stuff you know like is is i think directed at people that lived through it as yeah. opposed to like mm-hmm. and and there's kind of like a weird like commodified kind of version of like what the 80s were and it's a lot of like you know fucking aviators and neon and and whatever you know like when we all went to 80s parties in high school like that was generally the dress code you know cut the sleeves off of something and um and so that if if you want a vehicle for someone like me to like dig um, like an 80s throwback thing or whatever it's gonna be like weirdo fucking like thrash metal and like <laughs> you know really like obscure. which was or like satanic panic shit you know like yeah. like that's yeah. that's the kind of like throwback stuff that would you know that it's not directing itself at you know right. like you know like i i i pine for being a weird dude in the 80s you know like <laughs> not mm-hmm. you know not like the spielbergian kind of universe that it's set in you know like mm-hmm. you know i want references to fucking red dawn you know like or roadhouse well, or it doesn't you know help like that, that kind of shit it was spielberg's movie so of course he's gonna reference oh, all of his totally. stuff yeah <laughs> and i to- so i like i said i totally understand why it is the way that it is right. and i also <laughs> understand why i haven't had a great desire to <laughs> pursue it yeah yeah. Glad you like the books though. Yeah, there's my book corner. Yeah. I will uh, give a sneak peek that I um am reading Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, so that'll be the next oh, book boy. that I talk about when I finish that. That's Good. having a blast with that one. <laughs> so uh-huh. Alright, let's see which two it's gonna be. What are we gonna end on? What are we gonna talk about? Alright. Well, so I um Let's talk about Big G I had a fight with Andy and now I'm gonna have a, <laughs> a fight with Raymond. Raymond, I didn't really, oh, like, I didn't really like this movie. <laughs> Sammy, you shut your here. mouth. I'm standing up now. <laughs> He's standing. You're going to punch my screen? The f- main he doesn't thing, have a sit to stand. The main, problem, the main problem I had with the first one was there was too much human stuff. And I feel like they did not fix that in this one. I feel like there's still no. too much human stuff in this there's movie. No, okay, there's no winning. 
because <laughs> all, I mean, the biggest problem with what... Godzilla movies is you can't have too much. Otherwise, it's a bad one. And so oh, well. most in Japanese Godzilla movies, the ones that are like super like Godzilla focused are not very good. It's mostly like reused footage or it's very boring. But then the ones that are super human focused are incredibly boring and you're waiting for the monster to show right. up. So there's no no one's ever going to be happy. No, but I then... thought I thought the second one does a better job of marrying the two. There's right. definitely I more do like the, when monsters. It, when it came to the fighting, it wasn't like seeing uh-huh. through a TV screen or just seeing their feet. Like you actually, it was them fighting. Right. Which all like the, I think I like that about fights. the first movie, but it's you're right. It's yeah. like it focuses way more on the first movie on human shit that doesn't like you could cut half of it out because it makes no goddamn sense right. to the well, way this the movie human stuff at works. least was apparent to the plot like. Right stuff that we need to talk about. Uh, kind of parents. Just the plot was the plot. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Yeah, yeah. It felt you, like you, you know the that. monster, the monster scenes are the what I liked in the movie. Yeah, and oh, I yeah. felt like I needed at least one more in the first hour because there's only yeah. really like two monster fights in the hour, yeah. and it's a lot of build up. And, the, and right. yeah, it the plot eventually kind of devolves into okay how do we get all of these 20 characters to the next right. spot so we can see the monsters fight in a cool location right, right. Yeah. all the, the monsters stadium, are waking up let's all get bit, them together yeah. right it's not a yeah. flawless film no and you no. need they announced so long ago when they were making the the king kong movie that they were doing a shared universe mm-hmm. and usually like king kong will fight godzilla so like they have to set up so much stuff like you know going in that like all this stuff has to be happening just so they can mm-hmm. introduce King Kong. So it's not like this was gonna be like a small personal film about like Godzilla or anything. It's yeah. like welcome to the world. <laughs> right. But mm-hmm. I I'd love a beach house drama with Godzilla. Fuck yes. <laughs> and I'm all for Me and Big G. I am that's why I wanted to watch this one because I'm so excited for the King Kong Godzilla one. But then uh-huh. there were still just like some of it was like too cheesy for me and even like king Ghidorah did not look good to me he the what? cgi did not look his face didn't look right it didn't look like well done to me hmm. i don't it's, know it's three different people doing motion capture for it it's like each person's a different head huh. which i thought was good yeah it, there is like yeah i didn't have a problem th- with the it, problem no. of the way that they have to do so much of the the fight scenes is that to make cg look really good for monsters and you see this in pacific rib too is it has to be dark right so so many scenes are like poorly lit everything's yeah, dark yeah. and then yeah. like king Ghidorah's special powers fucking lightning you know yeah. so it's like when you see it's, too much. it's gonna be hard it's a it's all lightning effects <laughs> yeah. that you have to render around him you what's know? the turtle i thought he looked fine what's the turtle uh turtle? Gamera? Gamera. Because he shows up Friend but he doesn't children? do anything. I was like, oh, no, I Gam- Gamera. He's not Gam- in it. Gamera's There's a turtle in it, in it, though. What are you talking about? Like, there all is, the monsters, it might be like, like Baragon and or something. One of them's a turtle that wakes up. Oh, no, you're right. Oh. Yeah. You're right. He is in there okay. because okay. Legendary has got the rights for it. I forgot about That's that. That's really yeah. So he was in Legendary started like... Didn't do anything. It's been a minute since I've seen this, and I was drinking at the time. After... After the movie came out, they released like an art book that had like all their concept sketches, and they kind of released like little tidbits info that like they had the rights to other stuff from Japan, like they have Gamera, and they got rights from Toho to get a bunch of the other characters. Because there was the like the so like the mammoth thing, and then there was more yeah. of the Mudos from the first one. So that was kind of cool to see. The all mammoth them. is like a new creation. Oh, that's why which I figured. Is very cool. That's yeah. pretty uh-huh. pretty sick. And then all I the mean, references. Honestly, all of the new. 
monster designs that they've implemented in mm-hmm. these new Godzilla movies have been really cool. I really like Mothra. I thought Mothra looked really cool. Mothra is like a standout bit of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, it's very yeah. funny because I, I, uh, two of my Mothra friends, sucks. yeah, two of my friends watched the movie with like no concept of like the context of Godzilla's history in the monster universe and like all the, the rogues gallery of characters. Mm-hmm. So they, they've seen the first one and hadn't seen, any of the actual Godzilla movies. Right. So they got to all the Mothra stuff, and at the end, they're like, so what the fuck happened there? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, they you see, it's it's like the whole, there's a whole lore with Mothra. There's there's always two. There's always twins that communicate with Well, that's them. what I was going to say. They almost they, like they didn't understand the plot. Godzilla and her, like, dating. It's like almost what the reference she's, is in the she's movie. Like a, she's like a cosmic guardian of the universe. They're like, yeah. they're dating. Like, they're they're, they're going to bang. Yeah. I was like, where's that oh, at? What? Okay. Yeah. That's just <laughs> no. from seeing memes on the internet. That I has want, nothing come on, to do with Mothra the movie. Mothra and Godzilla, let's do it. Boy. <laughs> Well, and and uh, they, I think the problem that I remember having because I remember not uh, all the monster stuff delivers the, uh-huh. the the means by which the monsters are put in place to fight are really dumb. Yeah, it's better um, than the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I agree. I agree. The first um, movie's got some really cool set pieces, but it's literally and, hanging by a thread to get there. Well, yeah. and you get the... I think maybe I look back on the first one with rosier glasses because uh, I remember enjoying the Brian Cranston performances yeah. in it. Well, he's what great. Little, what little part... And, you yeah. know, we've talked about how vocal he was about the fact that he thought that was bullshit, and uh, he's right. He's the best part you of know. it. Yeah, because Aaron Taylor Johnson is basically a cardboard cut out of a white. It's guy. like it's not even his fault, um, you know. It's like no, just that's the direction not. of the movie is he is Joe action hero. Yep. Yeah, because Soldier you can swap him out for like fucking Sam Worthington or uh-huh. any any number of people. Tom Hardy, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Hardy would do it well, but again, he fits right. in that niche of like right. white guy with a shaved head, military guy or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yep. And yeah, and so in this one, like, I really like Vera Farmiga. I think that mm-hmm. she's a great actress. I don't think that she was given a great. I don't plot think anybody was with. given same a whole Char- lot. Yeah, same I, with, like Charles Dance. Is Charles Dance is so good, phenomenal actor. Yeah. Uh-huh. and in this movie, he delivers his very yeah. dumb lines very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's having a great time. It, yes. it seems he's chewing that scenery. Yeah, and Bradley what, Whitford is great. Well, what Thomas Middleditch? Yeah, he yeah. does a little great oh, bit. Funny. Yeah, he's he's our resident, you know, guy in a lab coat. Um, well, it's like, uh, yeah. was it uh, Kyle Chandler plays the dad? And he, like, yeah. he went on talk shows being like, yeah, I watched all the Godzilla movies. But I hate that when they, like, go on talk shows and present that. They, like, they Well, it's like he probably did. Like, it, it, the problem is he just has, like, there's no frame of reference for that in the movie. Where, like, right. he no. went on, I was like, yeah, I hadn't seen a Godzilla movie. So I went and I watched all 22 of them before we did this and i'm there's a huge no godzilla point. fan now but like in the movie all he has is like there's nothing referencing like any lore there's no, no informed no it's like in the first yeah. movie they they had gareth edwards talk about how he spent like him and weta spent a year working on um the design of godzilla for the first mm-hmm. movie and they spent like a year going back and forth and all that but then the script is so shit for that movie yeah. it's, and so it's like they go out they go out boasting like they cook this much care with the movie, and then like the thing that's easiest to fix is the thing that's <laughs> fucked up about it. Well, I could understand maybe having like a, a position to boast if he was like trying to emulate Raymond Burr from the right. original Gojira or something, and he talked about like researching, the original. Like, watch it, like watch it. It would be a better. 
uh, like use of his time if he had watched a bunch of fucking Perry Mason and tried to uh-huh. get like Raymond Burr down, not watching uh-huh. a bunch of Godzilla movies that aren't even tangentially related most of the time, right. except for right. the fact that they happen to be from Toho and have Godzilla. In right. Them. Like that's there's great. not a lot of connective tissue between a lot of these fucking movies. It's great that he went in and got like that history for making the movie that like he understood what he was like he understands the like what he is supposed to be saying and he understands that and he's not going to be like all right what's the mumbo jumbo i'm saying but instead it has no bearing on his character it's not like he has anything to do other than like he's just trying to stop the bad things from happening that's all (laughs) his character he's He's not evoking he's not evoking anything that is fun about Uh, godzilla movies that are self-aware you know, right. like, why is Shin Godzilla fun from the human perspective? Because, A, the tonal shifts are fucking absurd and uh-huh. really fun. Like, mm-hmm. the weird, like, disco music that ends up in some place. You right. Know, like, you got, like, weird, like, like morning AM radio news music right. it's, in it's some like spots. A, it's like slander of, like, Japanese bureaucracy for the human parts of it, which is, like, its own entertaining movie and then godzilla right. shows up <laughs> right and even like like i remember like a reaction to like so the like the weird girl's uh findings or whatever where he's like oh, yeah. flipping out and screaming and running down the hallway or whatever uh-huh. you know it's like mm-hmm. this movie knows exactly what movie it is and if um, he had actually taken like those elements and tried to apply them in this movie then maybe i'd go like yeah good on you for watching all those little godzilla movies right. but uh, he didn't do that he was just dad that needed to get to daughter right and i i really like the yeah. the director of this movie um, God, I can't remember his name. Mike something, but he did. I think Trick or Treat, the anthology horror movie, which Doherty. is Michael Doherty, which it's very good. Thanks, He's Andy. got. He was a huge Godzilla fan, and he like was like, yeah, I know what movie I'm making. The problem is, you know, it's it's a movie made by committee. He got all the monster stuff down pat. Yeah. And, and the the yeah. story structure that interplays with humans and the monster fighting is always the hardest part to nail mm. and it does not get there. So I'm really hoping King Kong versus Godzilla is like three quarters monsters and like yeah. one quarter humans because it's hard to balance, but there's enough there with just like, Oh look, this thing's happening that they can figure that out hopefully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with CGI characters compared to like dudes in suits, that might be a little bit better to convey. Yeah. Cause like this weekend I was, not this weekend, but this last weekend, um, we were having internet issues. So my girlfriend was not letting me stream anything on the internet while she was working because it was hampering her work computer. So I pulled out my Criterion Godzilla collection and was like, let's watch one of these, like the one of the last ones that's in the collection, which is like a 70s one I hadn't seen in a very long time. That's, um, it's called Godzilla uh like all mon- like monsters all out attack is like one name but then it's also <laughs> Godzilla versus um oh oh fuck i've forgotten but it's it's a it's a big Gigan is what it is. It's, it's Godzilla versus Gigan. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah and so it's the first introduction of Gigan which is also in the new movie he's like a lizard dude with like blades for hands yeah oh. and uh, <laughs> yep, he's got like a laser that's um, all you need but the movie is like majority of the monster footage is re- like they had no budget so it's recycled footage from other movies and in fact there's several shots where like you can see Mothra in the background when Mothra's not in the movie oh my god and shit like that <laughs> so it's like that's awesome. I watched that and I was like this is what happens when like it goes wrong where the human story is only like just barely passable as entertaining where it's like 
there's an alien species of cockroaches that are presenting as humans and they're trying to get like King Ghidorah and Gigan to come down from space and attack everything. And it's like, and Gyrus and Godzilla have to like stop them. But it's like bad. It's bad. (laughs) There's no, the plot's bad and the monster fighting is like hard to watch because it is so clearly recycled footage. So it's like when, even in like the quote unquote classic Godzilla films, they don't get it right most of the time. So, so I'm really hoping for King Kong versus Godzilla when it eventually comes out yeah. to be a better. I think uh, King of the Monsters is a is like a, a mile like miles away better than the 2014 one, even yeah. though I do like that one. Yeah. Is Jordan the Jordan vote Robert Roberts Robert, Robert no. Rogers? Is he doing the next one? No, no, no. okay. It Adam is Wingard. back to yeah, it's Adam Wingard, <laughs> ah. which you know I love the guest. I never saw that. I um, do not. <laughs> I never saw that. Uh, the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch one. Yeah, you saw that, right? I, did. I sure did. And I love that VHS segments, you know, that he did. But boy, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> His version of Death Note is not good. Uh, mm. Oh, is that him too? Oh, oh no. Fuck. So two quick questions for Raymond R. Res- okay. Res- I am the big Godzilla guy. Godzilla guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so when King Ghidorah, Ghidorah calls all the monsters, why doesn't King Kong show up? Uh, that's <laughs> that's a really good question. Well, oh well, they like it's in the in the end credits. They send up a bunch of that. Like they refer, they start referencing. Well, there's King a ton Kong of in references to King Kong throughout, which I really right, like. Right, right. But, but it's like there's so, there's like a newspaper clipping yeah. that's like something's happened on Monster Island because basically, or not Monster Island, but Skull Island mm-hmm. because Skull Island is essentially Bermuda. So, mm-hmm. so he he's like in the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's like. Maybe he just like didn't like you have to make sure that he like cares about the situation and right. Uh, uh, the re- official reasoning is it's bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. and then it's the lead he's, up for he's the on next a movie? workout retreat with Dave Batista. And then I it, do, uh, gotta get swole. I do have the original King Kong versus Godzilla movie that Toho made, and that one's it. got like a very we should before we do the new one. And it's there's a very famous the only like real famous clip from that is. Godzilla shoving an entire tree down King Kong's throat, and I people have gifted nice. it saying, "Oh, I've seen that." Yeah, <laughs> and saying like, "Eat your eat goddamn your vegetables." Yeah. <laughs> so then, either the end scene or the after credit scene, there's an egg. What's the egg? That's Mothra. That's Mothra. So yeah, that's that's the Mothra lore. Is uh, Mothra is a being that then when it hatches, it lays two eggs. Gotcha. And then there's there's so they become two larvae, and then they. When one of them dies, one becomes Mothra. So there's always a Mothra, mm. and they are always two of them, and they like have a always psychic two? connection with twins, like Sith lords. There's there's, there's one always that, two. Um, <laughs> yeah, Great. there's there's two movies from the 2000s, like the two last good Toho Godzilla movies they made before Final Wars, because Final Wars is bad. Is um, it's fine. Is is um. Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, where they bring the original, like they all, each movie pretends that Godzilla, uh, the like all the Godzilla movies don't exist after the 1954 one. Mm-hmm. So it's like, God, like a Godzilla's back, but they killed the first one. So they, like, a, there's a new one. So they take the bones of the original one and put it in an exoskeleton suit, and that's Mech- Mechagodzilla, and it fights him, <laughs> and it like. Like the the new Godzilla like roars and it awakens the original DNA of the of the Mecha Godzilla so it turns on him and both of them are destroying the city. 
It's amazing. And that one, that one's not great, but it's got like a lot of mech fun stuff in it. Mm. And because there's someone inside the mecha Godzilla piloting it until it decides it's the, like it remembers it's the original Godzilla and it fucking like throws her out of it and takes over. <laughs> but then there's it has a sequel, which has Mothra in it, and like Mothra is talking to a man who's from like the original Mothra movie from the '60s, and she's like put Godzilla's bones back in the sea or I'm going to kill everyone. <laughs> and that's like, Good. that's her premise throughout the movie. She keeps being like, please tell everyone that the government needs to put Godzilla's bones back in the sea where it belongs. <laughs> Great. So that's, right. I petition we watch those two movies yeah, as we well. we should. Right. Agreed. All right, last, last one, last which movie. is funny that this yes. is the one that I saw the longest time ago. <laughs> yeah. Saw this on Valentine's Day and saw Birds of Prey, which uh, I know hey. Andy had already seen. Andy has seen. I have not seen it. TJ, I haven't seen it. Okay. No, I don't care. To. Um, I, I I had a good time with it. It took me a little while to get into it, just because it's kind of like in your face, kind of. It's very Deadpool. I would say it's very it's yeah. DC's Deadpool for sure. Um, so it took me a little bit to get into it, but then I was like, oh, this is this is a fun time. Um, I would say that because it's like very Deadpool-esque, it doesn't go as far as Deadpool does. So that's where I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I wish it would have like, because it's R anyway, like why not make right. it really R it like Deadpool? easily is. been a PG-13. Right, yeah. Like very mild editing. Yeah, exactly, for sure. So that's why I was like, it's rated R, let's really make it rated R, but it wasn't really. I kept uh, waiting for that kind of to happen and it really didn't, mm-hmm. um, which makes it seem like, like Andy was saying that maybe they were going to have it be PG-13 but then change their mind. I don't know. but I think there was a fight. Yeah, I think they wanted it to be R, mm. but they didn't grant that to them till late in the game. Yeah, so the, and I ended up again like, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, where like I don't really like Harley Quinn as a character, um, mm. but I think they yeah, do a, do a good job. In, <laughs> what? Would you say? It said, "Yeah, we know why." Oh, okay, right. Because they do in the they don't do a good job of making her a person. Is that what? You, <laughs> yeah, that's why. No, because. And no. other everything else, she's all about just loving Joker. So you uh, you don't think women are people? Oh, so, right. okay. I mean, that's gonna be a really <laughs> that's tall what I that's, that's why I don't. Like her. Well, in this movie, Harley Quinn. You mean, <laughs> this movie, I do like her character because she is her own person yeah. finally, and which they've been doing with the comics now too is that uh, she's mm-hmm. like her own person, which is really cool. So I think that's she kind of and it the the thing that's cool is like it takes her a while to get to that point because. It, the beginning of the movie is her being upset that she's not with the Joker anymore, and then like I've heard that the animated series that they're doing on DC streaming service is really that's good. what I've heard I've too. Heard that it's well. like awesome. The biggest problem with it, it look for fun. Yeah, I've heard. I hear it's really really good. The biggest problem with it is it's on DC streaming service right. that nobody wants to. Pay yeah, for. exactly. Right. No one's gonna pay for that. You gotta wait for no. like uh, HBO Max to come out, and then it'll end up on there because that's gonna yeah. be one streaming service. Then oh, there you go. I really like that. Um, Ewan McGregor is having just a blast with this movie. He's having so much fun. He does such a good job of being like a whimsical villain, but at the same time, like very dark at places. <laughs> like he almost, it's like rapey at one point with this one person. And then like straight up, like has people get their faces cut off at another point, but then is also like laughing and having a great time. Like it's just, it's wild, which is great. Um, he's definitely not black mask, even though they're saying he's black mask. <laughs> like it's, that's never it's a black part of the, yeah. Black mask is never like that. <laughs> But it's part of the problem that almost all DC movies have in that the villain just ends up being like, man, we wish it could have been the Joker. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I think that the only sure. one I've seen is Wonder Woman. And that was a very, very, very boring. Well, you villain. saw Joker. 
Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, I saw Joker, too. Yeah. Um, Which isn't in the yeah, same vein no. as these movies, for sure. But no. Right. Yeah, but Wonder Woman, I suppose, would be kind of close. I mean, closer, I guess. You said, yeah, you said Wonder Woman was boring? You didn't like it? The villain was oh, boring. Yes, because yeah. he's Davis, nothing. Dave, okay. Yeah, David Thewlis is uh, not, Wasted. not his fault. Yeah, right, no. yeah, it's it's. He should have just been really the shame wizard <laughs> from Big Mouth. Shame. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, this was yeah, a, yeah. I, I suppose yeah, cardboard villains wouldn't exactly be out of the right beyond the pale. Yeah. For a DC so movie. I mean, I don't have think he was a cardboard. Perform very well at the box office in general, like Birds of Prey. Um, no, like uh, that and Suicide Squad didn't do great. Oh, right? Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad did well to did, begin with, but no yeah, one likes okay. it. <laughs> But no right. one likes it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it made a shit ton of money. Yeah. Well, because like I was reading uh, something talking about like oh you know like the sexist backlash to Birds of Prey and it's just like I just think a lot of people got a bad taste left in their mouth from right. Suicide Squad and didn't want a bunch more. It of that. made its money uh, back. Like within the first weekend, it made its money back. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That was so crazy when they were like they were calling like the the press was calling it a flop when it had made literally its entire budget yeah. back. Yeah, but at the same yeah, time, that's, that's the then they thing, like yeah. changed the title. They were like, "It's Harley Quinn, Birds yeah. of Prey now instead of Birds which, of Prey." Yeah, Birds of Prey is a dumb title. name. It is. Yeah. It doesn't fit. Yeah. It does, they don't even become the Birds of Prey until the last like ten minutes. Right, so, like that's a comics thing, but it's not like right. you're gonna reel in people and bring them back after a Suicide Squad by like another group name instead of so just. So what are we? Some kind of Birds is. of Prey. I like that line. Uh, <laughs> that was a good line. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, but I I I've am excited it. for Suicide Squad too because that's my my boy James. Yeah, Gunn. that'll be a good one. Going to do whatever he wants with it, and he's going to kill everybody. All of his tweets make it seem like he's just literally going to kill everybody, and I'm so the excited. cast list is insane. Yeah. He's got so many superstars in it like you know that he's killing a ton of people right with it. yeah mm-hmm. i'm so excited yeah so yeah good. birds of prey it's it's all right it's i had fun with it but i don't it wasn't I, andy andy i think I liked it more I would, than i did yeah i would i would say it's definitely in the top tier of the current dc movies for sure i mean which isn't hard to do so i hard. agree with you there but yeah, <laughs> yeah. so all right well we did it we've done it boys two and a half hours two and a half later. hours Oh, Hopefully boy. this all works out Ooh, and fine. is recorded. Only forty minutes of error, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good for a first well, one. Yeah, Damn. yeah. I think uh, this turned out pretty well. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see how the edit goes. But uh, yeah, that's all you, Andy. Yeah. Have fun. I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, have fun. <laughs> but I think uh, next week we'll probably try and watch a movie and record again. And yeah, even if we're still quarantined, we'll we'll be back at it. Oh, yeah. we're gonna be. We're gonna be here. Yeah, we'll, yeah. it'll probably be this, but I think this will work. Oh, right. It's good to see you guys. And well, well, and Raymond, you can oh, add my my Twitter to the NSA. I will. Yeah, I figured out which Twitter account is gonna be appropriate, so I'll add that. Oh, yeah. And if you want to follow our Twitter account, it's at at NSAOT Pod, yeah, and our maybe. email address is at never seen any of this pod at gmail dot com. Great, Corey, we're gonna watch Hackers eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, hack the planet. Yeah, hack the planet. Well, sweet. I guess good work, guys. That's it. It's good to see you. That's it. I love all of you. And uh, that's it. Stay healthy out there, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Never Seen Any of This. Wash your goddamn hands. (laughs) Yeah. Bye. 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 Wash your hands. (laughs)